like they had like a moment with a lot of hype and a lot of eyes on them and they really kind of couldn't have done any wrong and that would have been the exact time where they it would have been advisable for them to put out chaos fear 2 sure yeah depending on what they wanted to do right like you know. depending on their goals yeah and I, I know that there must have been someone at nuclear blast it was like chaos fear 2 please <laughs> right <laughs> And they were like, well, how about nothing? <laughs> um, <laughs> how about the slowest, droniest fucking shit imaginable? Right, 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 right. And then they're like, you know what? It's good we work with this. But you have to record in two days. Uh, right. Because <laughs> you're going on Ozfest, baby. Right. Um, And so... And and then and then it's like, all right, so how about Chaos Fear 2 now? And then they're like, I <laughs> yeah. actually we have this. And actually we're not even gonna release it on your label. <laughs> we're gonna release it on Fractured Transmitter, the singer from Mushroom Heads fucking label. Right. Um, so deal with that. And they're like, you know what, whatever guys. Yeah. Like they <laughs> got, don't, don't ask them anything else. <laughs> yeah. You did this. Oh, okay. We're not going to. Episode 27, recorded May 7th, 2022. Um, but yeah, that's what happened with it. So, and then I, yeah, I'm just, ba I'm fucking idiot. And <laughs> I, I have a real hard time. Shit. I mean, shit was going down yeah. from, from all different directions. So, and I was trying to. I was trying to make the all severed release as a sort of hinge point in the whole Liminal Coast record label thing mm -hmm. that I was trying to do. And so in retrospect, I should have just treated it, you know, I should have just, I should not have prioritized that label idea as much as I did. I should have just been like, yeah, I made a name for I made a name for the uh you know for the distro kid account that we distribute our music through online or you know that I distribute my projects through online just like to to have a thing to work with instead of like trying to make the label a an entity yeah on its own. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah yeah I I I wasted a lot of time with all that I learned a lot Right, yeah. Um, but a jury's going to be out on if that was, if that turns out to be valuable information in the future. So, but yeah, if there's a... I'm sure somehow. Yeah, I mean, I did spend a lot of time reading reading contracts and, and right. getting familiar with like music business legally. Copyright law and yeah. production yeah. credits, writing credits, all that shit. Yeah, and, and understanding the difference between um, like a songwriting copyright and a sound recording copyright. That's the big th – that's probably yeah. the most essential element in understanding why the music industry is as weird as it is, is, yeah. is the difference between those things. And, that, and, be, and, and to understand why they're so different, you have to understand what the music industry looked like when – those laws were put into place mm -hmm. and because it, it was very different, you know, 
in a lot of ways we think of mo the, how we think of artists and songwriters and blah 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 like we kind of think of it like the beatles you know like artists songwriters mostly like oh that's the same person yeah right like the person who writes the songs performs the songs da -da 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 -da. and it used to not be like that at all you know it used to be that because it cost a lot of fucking money to get records made it took a lot of capital Mm -hmm. To get any any of to, I mean to 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 get even the smallest tiniest thing done, and so um, a record company wasn't going to was only going to pay to have that done if they were going for an artist like yeah we'll pay the recording studio and the pressing and all that for you for Frank Sinatra to come in here and sing these songs or whatever because we know that we're gonna be able to then you know sell this record and and push him out on tour and make money from it and whatnot yeah and then meanwhile you had songwriters like just diligently at their fucking piano writing out songs you know turning them into a publishing company and then the publishing company trying to sell those songs to record companies and you know blah 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 so you know like the publishing how the publishing companies getting money from the record company for using the songs to get the artists to record and then because of the way they did the laws with radio and whatnot you know like there's songwriting money that people make when your song is played on the radio but not sound recording money and it's really it's really weird and it's kind of arbitrary but it's yeah. very strange. It doesn't make sense. Like if you were going to make those laws now, you would not make them the way that they are. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and but that's that's why the royalties and everything gets so nebulous, and it gets so weird. And you know, and you have like mechanical licensing fees and shit like that. It's, and 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 a lot of it there's a lot of just really obtuse archaic language that is in record contracts <laughs> because the other thing is you have to understand the old school business model of when I say old school I mean like you know eight, you know 80s forward the way a record company worked is that they are going to um sign a bunch of bands a bunch of artists, you know, maybe try to put. So if I make, if I make, you know, make it, make the math simple, right? Like you make, you sign ten artists, and you put five thousand dollars into each one of those. These aren't these. This is very low, but just for the sake of illustration, right? Um, so you're out a fifty thousand dollar investment. Yeah. Right. Um, you are not expecting all of those artists to do well. Um, you're, you're constantly like hedging your bets, right? So you put in that money into all of them and then you're like one of them, you know, one or two of them is going to make my money back. And then one of them is going to make me a hundred, like all the money back is going to make basically. me 200. Like one of these is going to be my fucking golden goose. Yes. And, and one of them is, is going to be Nirvana is going to be this is going to be Madonna is going to be the thing that just keeps you know, and yeah. that's going to it's all geared towards that. And so when it becomes clear that an artist is not going not going to be that, then they lose a lot of their support, mm -hmm. you know, da, 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 da. And so then because of that, 
there's a lot of language in the record contracts basically about how i mean part of it is if you look at it in good faith it's 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 them trying to be like this is a loan yeah and and we want to make this money back and so you will get paid but we got to get paid first <laughs> um and we're going to do all the bullshit work that you don't want to do that you don't know how to do we're going to do all of it um but we're going to get paid first and here's all this sort of stuff. And each one of those clauses and each one of those terms is a little hinge point where if the record label is not scrupulous, they can fuck you if they want to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, each one of those little things um, is, is a, is, can be twisted if, if you're not on top of it. Um, yeah. And so it's, you know. It feels like one of those uh um, not House of Cards, but like, just sort of like a, a, a like, I don't know, like just like a ramshackle <laughs> construction of you know, of things that fell into place in order to benefit the people who were able to let them get to that point. Yeah, um, yeah. And just they they were they added things as they needed to make right. things go like they wanted to. And just, right. And and a lot of it is really strange because you look at. Um, you look at what can be copyrighted and what can't be copyrighted. Like you can't copyright a beat, right? Um, like you can copyright lyrics, melody, harmony. Um, so shit that you can easily write down on a piece of paper and send to the fucking copyright office, right? As far as songwriting goes, Mm -hmm. right? Now you can copyright a, a sound recording. And so, like that's that's why like it's like a different set of laws. It's a different, that. yeah, it's different. And so, like that that's why you have like all of the content flags on YouTube and shit like that, because they can ID that sound recording. But if you did a cover of that song, they can't do that. They can't like pick out your chord progression, right? I feel uh, like sometimes those do trip though, if it's like close enough. Um, I don't know though. Not not no, I don't think so. Not from like, not from like a content ID. I mean, I might be totally wrong, but, um, and there's actually not because this is the thing. Like you, there's nothing stopping you from recording. Oh, that's why it sounds weird. I have the monitors on. I was like, I was getting some weird. I wasn't getting that at all. So yeah, on um, your side. Well, so is, maybe that's only on YouTube's system then, because the way Twitch works, mm-hmm. like tons of examples of weird shit getting flagged like when metallica played live they played their own songs mm-hmm. and their own songs got flagged while they were playing them you know but it's a live version so there's, right. there's something going on there on, yeah. on some level but maybe they're different systems i don't know enough enough about it well one thing one thing that i can say is that that i can say with certainty is that there's nothing stopping anybody from covering anyone else's song yeah because it's like fair use at that point you can do that like you can record a version of any one song that you want and you can throw it on spotify um right right you just have to credit them and you just have to click the right things so that they get so that they get that publishing money Mm. um but like all the things you'd hear about like taylor swift going after fans and shit like that like that's because they used or Taylor Swift's team or whatever. That's because they were doing things like using her song, the sound recording, 
in their wedding video. Mm. It's not because someone was, you know, playing the chords and, and, and you know, it's not because someone was playing the song, right? Um, it's because they were using that sound recording and there's different sets of right. legal instruments in place to go after people using a sound recording, um, you know, because usually the people who stood to benefit from a sound recording were a record company. So a bigger company with bigger capital, bigger, more, you know, more power and, and, and all that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but, but yeah, it's, it's all made up. It's all, <laughs> it's it, so weird. Like the, yeah. the, the amount of, of effort that has gone into that system, the content ID system for what it does is just so sad. Well, and it's so, it's so counterproductive to it. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, I mean like it, it flagged us for, because it was like, check this song out. Right. And, it, and it's like, you think about what's happening there. Like yeah. I am, someone is going to become so much more likely to go and listen to that song if we're sure. playing it and passionately talking about it and how much we love it and how much it influences us and whatnot. Sure. Yeah. Um, we're not hurting anything, you know, by doing that. Exactly. That's the, that's the whole thing. It's like, that doesn't matter. That's not the, right. you're using it. Yeah. Asshole. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then there are videos like, uh, what's, what's the dude's name? Uh, Rick Beato, like, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. like he plays riffs, and some riffs he like won't play more than two seconds of because they'll flag him. Right, right. Like hmm. I guess he uses backing tracks a lot of times, so there's probably that aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, you know, like you know, it's it's so sad. Yeah, it's where it's, that is. Yeah, and I, I I ended up. Sorry, I'm I'm tweaking something in here. Tweak away. Um, Tweak it up. And that's not to say that I think that. Artists should not be getting paid, and that is where or, um, or have some sort of ownership over their over their work because yeah, there's no good way to. That's the, I guess that's the thing is there's no good way to do that. The yeah. way that the payment systems are set up. Right, right. I got into and and it's sort of intentionally nebulous, you know. Yeah. Um, and I got into some kind of like lengthy and like heated discussions with some friends of mine. Um, because, you know, anarchy reasons, they're sort of morally opposed to the concept of copyright or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, um, it's like, yeah, but if you have some songs that are, um, that will travel well, quote unquote, you know, like they can be played like, like it's a strong melody. It's great lyrics and you can, and it's some chords and it'll travel, travel well, you know, so to speak. Like the small deal stuff, for instance, like that's not going to travel well. Like go ahead. Someone else tried to play. Go ahead. You know what I mean? There's, you know, um, or all severed stuff or whatever. Yeah. Like if you, I mean, if you're going to put that much work into learning that, just <laughs> do your own, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Make it do improve it. Make it better. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Re-record it. Fix it. <laughs> fix that. Fix that bad botched fill I did right there where I missed the snare. Just do that. I'll pay you. I'll buy right. a coffee. Uh, but uh, but yeah, and 
so, sort of like, you know, like not wanting to get your stuff copyrighted and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, ooh. I was like, look, if when you release it, you want to do some sort of fair use license, creative commons license, you know, stuff like that. Um, you're, you, you, you absolutely, but you still need to copyright it first. You still need to file that copyright because if you don't, then all someone has to do is grab that song, say, file that copyright, say it was theirs and you won't even be able to dispute it. Um, you'll have nothing, you know what I mean? And, and now like this song that you, you didn't want to copy you know you didn't want to copyright because you didn't want to um mess with its ability you didn't want to mess with this like collaborative space that music should exist in of people sharing and collaborating and mixing and Matt, like you you didn't want it to have those barriers but now that but now that song is being used on a delta airlines commercial um and no one and you're not getting paid for it someone else is Mm -hmm. Right. Like you and it's you have to use those it, those 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 are the only weapons that you can use to protect yourself from, you know, capitalistic exploitation in some ways. Right. And yeah, it'd and be great if that didn't exist. And this is the thing, too. Um, The Creative Commons copyright stuff. Guess what? They have that copyrighted. Like the contract, like the license that they use, you know, Creative Commons this, you're allowed to do this or this or this, right? Like, because it's one, it's like, you can do whatever you want with this. You can chop it up, mix it up or whatever, but you have to give me credit right. or whatever, whatever the different stipulations are. That, the language of that, 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 that thing is copyrighted. By using that license, you're de facto copywriting it. No, 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 no. No. The license, the written thing that, that the people who wrote it. Oh, the, oh I see. Yeah. Is on file copyrighted. Sure. <laughs> okay. Sure. I went through the trouble to look this up and to figure it out as to try to, you know. So one way or another, you're engaging with that system. Whether you, it, you know. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and, so and if it's if it's an idealistic thing, just recorded on a fucking cassette and then handed out at a street corner somewhere and that's all you can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a and again, I wouldn't I wouldn't fret about everyone. I wouldn't say everyone should you know, if it, I don't know that everyone should go through the trouble to do it. But this is the thing too, is like yeah. getting stuff copyrighted is actually not that big of a deal. It's not too much of a hassle. You know, it's like cuz there's ways you can get it done like all at once. Like you can copyright the whole album at one time, hmm. and that's like, you know, like thirty-five dollars or something. It's not right. Um, I've been learning a lot more recently about um, open source software licenses. Oh yeah, which is like you know you can write, you can write your code and put it under an open source license. There's a, there's a tons of them out there. Right. Uh, but there are some like. Like you said, like you can use this in your own software, the thing that I wrote that's under this specific license. You just have to say that you, you know, you say, you say that it's for me basically mm -hmm. in your software. And that's all, it, that's all there is to it. But there's some where it's like, if you use this, you have to then make what you wrote available under this license. 
So it's right. like it like infects up the chain, yeah, like yeah. upstream. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, uh, and there are there are a ton of those out there, uh, and there are people who put clauses in there like cannot be used for evil, <laughs> which is the most nebulous shit imaginable and a little <laughs> completely unenforceable. You know, um, yeah, that whole that whole world is so wild. Yeah, yeah, it it it's nutty. And I the other thing and I think the thing that it is um that's really coming to a head with it now that's different than say 4 years ago, even 30 years ago is since we with music at least, it's since we all have access to distributing our music on a global scale now in one form or fashion we all are having to engage with it in some way Mm -hmm. and before then you were only needing to engage with it if you're if you were already signed if you were already standing to make money um from it and and so it, it it almost like it almost made more sense because, oh, okay, well, I need to engage with this because this is going to protect me whenever I make this money, make this money, da 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 And now it's like I'm giving the government like $35 of like song insurance, <laughs> you know, hmm. um, just because I wrote something, you know, and it's like this is dumb. And I think that was actually one of like, <laughs> if, I, if I remember, that was one of the misunderstandings is, I'm often misunderstood by my, by my in your time by my by my anarchist friends. <laughs> um, well, well, one of the reasons is they 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 um, they've tended in the past to um, overestimate my knowledge of social sciences. Oh sure. You know, and they're like, well, shit, man, he fucking went to college. He's got a physics and a math degree. And I mean, like, listen, that's that is a problem in any field. <laughs> Where someone just starts going off about some shit that they know every little thing about, and you're like, "Man, I started back here, and you started like up here. You got to fill me you in, gotta, yeah. If we're gonna talk about this, right, right, right. Like, you, like if you don't, if you don't define, like, I never took a sociology course. I never, you know, I never took any of that though. I've only heard about feminism from stand-up comedians and bullshit, you know, provocateur wannabe preacher philosophers. If you don't define patriarchy for me, I'm not gonna know what it is. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, as yeah. an, as an example of like me getting in alpha in the weeds with these arguments with my friends because right. um, because things got emotional, um, and yeah. so I'm getting defensive, uh, and they're getting defensive because they don't understand that I'm ignorant, and and I've I've already gotten it's already escalated for me to sort of like ramp it down and sort of be like hey. What does that word mean? <laughs> what exactly yeah. does that word mean? Yeah, um, yeah. That that's something that I deal with all the time, like at work even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've gotten really good over over time about understanding when to say like, okay, let's just stop talking about this. Let's start back here. Mm. Let's talk about this thing here. We all know what it is, but let's go over it now to make sure that we're all on the same page. And that's so incredibly valuable. I can uh, to just have everybody be. Like understand where we are at. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, if, yeah. if even one person thinks you're two steps ahead and making an assumption for the rest, that can be a problem. Right. But so it's, it's like totally worth getting everyone, getting everyone in lockstep. Absolutely. It, it's fascinating to me that even in your field where, um, software engineering, uh, where you dub that in, <laughs> like where it seems like things would be so, so tangible, so locked in. So, well, every term has only one meaning, uh, you know, no. <laughs> everyone. So if I say this and it's like, no, even in this, this world of symbols and mathematical logic, there's still all this room for interpretation. You still have to, if you're working in a team, you still have to get everyone. No, no. When I say this word in this project on this page, this is what I mean. Right. Or if I just say, you know, last week when we were dealing with the something, it's like, well, I was dealing with like three somethings last week. You need to specify like even something like that. Right. Or right, like, right, right, just right, right. Be, you have to be specific. It reminds me of... Um, it's annoying at times, I know, but... I remember when I was in uh, one of my physics professors, Dr. Melvin, out at, um, it was at, we was at a, a classical mechanics class, so you're doing all the... all. It's like you're really getting into Newton's laws and shit. Um, but someone was... Like, why can't you just have all of the, like, why can't we just all agree that, that <laughs> damn, that would be so easy. <laughs> yeah. Like, why can't just this be the symbol for kinetic energy now and always? Oh, yeah. Why can't this be the symbol for angular momentum now and always? And, um, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what Dr. Melvin said. But uh, this was a this was a student that, that that often asked, like he was a super smart dude, like the the, the guy, um, Donnie, I believe was his name. Shout out to Donnie. Shout out to Donnie. So super cool, awesome dude, smart as hell. Um, but I, I he was one of you know you know those kind of guys that sort of like they have that like that urge. Um, or that sort of, ob they feel like they have an obligation to the room they're in to keep keep things a little light, you know? And so mm. he would like ask questions a lot of the times. It almost felt like to kind of like bring the temperature down in the room. You're not fucking helping, Donnie. <laughs> um, that, that's what I'm getting from this. Well, that's, I mean, well, that's I'm, how I would that's how I would take that kind of person. <laughs> it was. Just, well, I mean, he was good at it, though. You know, it depends it, on the situation, though. Like, yeah, there's a time and a place for that. And like eight to ten, like junior, senior physics students in a small ass classroom. You know, we all know each other. It's pretty relaxed anyway. But it's just, you know, but that was like more of his vibe, not someone who's trying to like waste time. Sure. Because, you know, like I've been a professor and I and I know that student that that student that's like you're just asking questions because you're lazy and you and you're trying to like you're like oh well let me ask mr mr wooten how his day was and then we won't have we'll we'll have one less homework problem to do oh god you know it's like that's and, sad yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> oh dude crazy it's probably one of the one of the like the craziest like things that a, a student came up and said to me once this was i was doing i was teaching a winter mini 
Okay, where it's like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna teach you a whole semester's worth of material in 18 hours, right. or like three days, whatever it yeah. is. You know, it's like it's like seriously, it's like two weeks. It's insane. Yeah. Um. And this dude, he came up. He came to me after like the second or third day. Um. Actually, he didn't even come up to me. Like he was sitting in the front row, and he just said this. Um. He was like, um. You know, I feel like, like, hey, Mr. Wooten, I, I feel like you're, uh, you're moving kind of fast, and this, uh, these problems are kind of difficult. And you know, I, I was looking at your uh, reviews, um, rate my prof, and, uh, you know, I feel like if you, I feel like your, your reviews might come down, if uh, blackmail. What is this? If this uh, <laughs> things keep up being this difficult. Oh wow! And um, this, this is a this is a this is like a, this isn't like four people in this class. This is like thirty people, right? You know what I mean? It's like he did. Would, did class halt while he was saying this to you? Yeah. And everyone paid attention to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he must have thought he could like persuade people. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like he was like, hey, I got an idea. You guys in? You you guys in on this shit? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um. <laughs> and I got mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, and you know, as like mad as you can get with a dry race marker, you know, <laughs> you know, with the cap on, yeah. you know, and 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 I was like, I was like, there seems to be, and I like addressed the class. I didn't like just address him, you know? right? <laughs> and I was like, there seems to be a misunderstanding that I am here to make you like me, that I am here to be your friend. That I am here to make things easy for you. And let me correct that misunderstanding. I am here to help you learn this material. That is my only job, and I will do everything in my power to do that. And being easy on you is not one of those things. And what was great was that there was another student beside him that was like, <laughs> and this is like super A-type personality kind of uh -huh. guy. I think his name was Alex. Um, a for Alex, yeah. and so, and he was like, um, like, like he's like, he was like, he was like the kind of guy, like, like that was always was always good at everything. Like, felt like he was always good at everything in school, but it it was because he, but he did work at it. You okay. know what I mean? That that's that's who Alex was. Okay. Like he was. It's like yeah, you're gonna like you. You know the kind, like you just meet him and you're like, well, you're gonna do fine and whatever you do, because you're reasonably intelligent and you have a decent work ethic, you're gonna be just fine. Um, yeah. But he's like the kind of like I'm I'm sitting here because I want to make sure I catch everything. You know, like, but not like neurotic. Not like I have to get everything right. Like not like not 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 a not think, compensating. Not. I think yeah. I know the type you mean, yeah. Yeah, like like the kind, yeah, yeah, like kind of a jockey dude, you know what I mean? Um, but like not a jerk. So anyway, so okay. Alex is like, um, Mr. Wooten, I just I just want to let you know that um, neither I nor nor the rest of the class agree with. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> whatever, whatever. That that I don't remember that dude's name. Because uh, he didn't finish the class, <laughs> he dropped. But I bet his name's on your rate my professor profile somewhere. <laughs> he man, he <laughs> if he had the work ethic, <laughs> if he if he was if he had the follow through to to go and leave me a bad review, then right. he, then he would have had the follow through to to like figure out how to complete the square or whatever we were doing. <laughs> um, 
What was this class? This was intermediate algebra. Okay. So okay. like the, one of the transitional math courses before college algebra. Yeah. I've taken that class. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed teaching it. I really, really liked that class. I, really, I, I remember liking that class. Yeah. I really, really liked it. I really loved it. I, I hope that, that the stars align or I could do that again mm. because, um, you know, I like if you're teaching calculus or you're teaching Cal two or you're Cal three or whatever, like most, if they got that far, most of them are going to figure it out no matter what anyway. Um, but if you're teaching intermediate algebra, like you really could be the difference between someone getting their fundamentals tweaked and sure. fixed and, and, and like, you know, those are the fundamentals that you need for those other classes. For everything else. Yeah. And, totally. and, and the reason they don't have those fundamentals is usually not their fault. It's right. usually that they were, you know, someone, so at, whenever they started doing fractions, when they were eight years old, some math teacher in the fourth grade was, or whatever, was crappy at teaching it to them and said, well, I guess you're just not good at math. So many of them, so many people I talked to had, had, us, had that story. Right. And... So, and it's like, no, you're not, you're not, no, no one is just bad at math. Like, yeah. no, absolutely not. You, there's just some things that you don't understand and we're going to fix them. Yeah. Here we go. You just weren't taught in a way that you were able to understand it. Yeah. Because the person who was teaching you probably didn't actually understand it. And that is, that is where I felt like I was unique, able to uniquely benefit those students is because, you know, I was a good teacher. I was... Um, I, I had a lot of like sympathy for what they were going through. Cause I remembered when my mom had to take those classes, mm. you know, when she went back to school Yeah, and I know that they're not, I know that they're not bad at math cause they're not trying or because they're stupid or whatever. I, I know it's none of that. And, but then the other thing is that I have an actual bachelor of science in mathematics. Like, so if you say, why does it do that? I have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say, well, because that's just the way that we do these problems. Right. I'm not going to say that. It's not, that's, that's because that's how this weird rule works when you write it this way and draw an arrow over here. <laughs> no, no. It's, it, well, Miss Sally's dune buggy down the road. Da -da, like none of, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, uh, like it's, it, it's not, yeah. it's not foil. It's the goddamn distributive property. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm going to teach you the things that are true all the time. Right. And I know why they're true. I know, you know what I mean? And if you're like, when will I use this? I'll tell you probably never, but it does come up in, it does come up in engineering. This comes up yeah. in acoustics. This comes up in whatever, you know, I have answers for all that. And I don't think, I didn't run into a lot of other people teaching that math class that had those kind of answers. Sure. So great yeah. teachers cared a lot about the students, but they just, I had a unique background, you know? Um, so, but uh, why am I talking about this? Oh yeah. So Donnie, Donnie, <laughs> so Donnie. Dr. Mel, so Donnie is like, so can we just have like, you know, one letter for everything? And Dr. Melvin gets all mad and was like, Donnie, if we did that, you'd be trained apes. And I'm trying to teach you to be physicists, not engineers. <laughs> 
some shit like that. Oh, like boy. he just he he went off. Uh, you know what I mean? Because there's always like that, like physicists shit on engineers and engineers shit on physicists yeah. and physicists shit on mathematicians and mathematicians shit on physicists. Biologists, chemists, physicists. Yeah, 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 yeah. Navy, yeah. Marine Corps, blah blah blah. And like, and so I remember like my physics professor like like yeah, you know, Doctor Such and Such came over here and asked me to help him prove something from the you know from the electrical engineering department so we worked it out and then do you know what he did richard he took a picture of it so that he could remember it <laughs> and and like my professor was like appalled it was like well but you just need to know the right assumptions and then you should be able to derive it like you know what i mean like like the real knowledge was ironing out it's like what do you mean like i just oh he took a picture so that he could remember that Right, like, yeah, the engineering yes. professor is like, oh, well, that's the process. I just, I let me file this under the process for that proof. Right. And whereas the physicist is like, no, 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 no. There was a fundamental insight that you lacked, and we addressed it here in line, between line two and line three. And then the rest of it, you should be able... It, it follows, it basically. Just turn, you just turn the crank. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, man. I, 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 had a, I had a course taught by an engineer from NASA, man, and... I almost lost my mind <laughs> in that course. <laughs> oh, he didn't boy. know what he was doing, man. I'm sure he was great at his job, but he didn't. He did not know the material he was teaching. Um, well, but anyway, I don't know. I don't, oh yeah, fucking Donnie. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, like I I went way off on that because of this. Uh, because of. Letters can't be the same for everything. So, like, you're talking about, like, defining things in your work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which came up because of, like, I don't know what patriarchy means, so you need to define it for <laughs> right, me. Right, right, right. If we're going to talk about, if we're going to have an argument about why you should or shouldn't get your music copyrighted. Yep. <laughs> it never hurts to make sure that everyone's on the same page. <laughs> don't believe what you hear and see. Unless <laughs> you see it for yourself. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Wow. Um, God damn it, Jet. Yeah, man. <laughs> we'll figure it out, man. We'll, we, maybe we'll just do a bonus episode where we just yeah. fucking watch and react to the Pantera oh, videos. Oh, God. Um, Wouldn't be any shorter than these other episodes we've done. <laughs> we'll do two. We'll do two. Or longer, I mean. Man, so um, not to like turn this into a Pantera episode, right? Too, too late. Um. Like we just stepped into like a time, like a wormhole, like time is distorted, you know. Um, but like uh, I was I've been clicking through a lot of like old Pantera interviews and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I and I'm sort of like teasing apart and like understanding that, like, hold on. Everything that I know about these guys that I think about them as people comes from those home videos. R yes. Yes. And exactly. And so seeing like a video, mm -hmm. like seeing an interview where like, oh my God, Vinny's smart as fuck. <laughs> Vinny knows what the fuck he's talking about. And and has like They know what the fuck they're talking about. You know? And and like someone's like, Hey, what's it like to be, you know, how's Dallas is like a music city? He's like, Oh, it's incredible. You know, we have we have the Toadies here, they're doing great, amazing things. You know, Eddie Brickell is from here, she's amazing. You know, and it's yeah. like it's like <clears throat> Vincent, <laughs> you've been holding out on me. Um, Where was this when you were rolling around drunk in that parking lot? <laughs> or, or like, I mean, I know the answer. 
Or there is um this this really blew my mind is there's a snippet where they like were like MTV News like well let's let's see what Pantera thinks about Kurt Cobain killing himself, um, and like it's Phil and Vinny and mm-hmm. and Phil is very candid and he's like man everyone's talking about you know that oh well he's he's this and he shouldn't have done that it's like look you don't know and you shouldn't judge him you don't know what he was going through. I know that all the pressure and obligation that we have with the little bit of success we have and they sell a hundred times more records than we do. Yeah. And I know that I know that I hate it. I know that I can't stand it. He points at Vinny. I know he can't stand it. And Vinny's like, Ugh. <laughs> um, and but it, it just it like it 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 just grew it totally adds very significant data points to this like fuck all these fucking trends. To all that bullshit, and it's like, yeah. you know, turns out he's thinking about shit, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's good. Yeah, it's not, um, because, because you know, like you expect, like, oh, Phil's gonna talk about how shitty, you know, and I don't know. It almost supports that idea that I threw out, which was maybe the whole, like, maybe it's the whole trend kill, the whole against alternative music was less about the actual artists and the actual fans and more about the suits and more about how the music industry reacted. Sure. I think that's probably the case. Cause like there, there's, there's an aspect of like they, uh, in any discipline, like you can't get to the position those guys were at without being smart and good. Right. Like, no matter how you present yourself, like, there are rare cases, I'm sure, where somebody is, like, propped up to make money for whatever reason, you know? But I think they're probably fewer and further between than you might expect. Yeah. Like, you, you have to know your shit to be in a position like that. On some, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. to some extent. <clears throat> so, it, it's not yeah. surprising at all. Right, that, that yeah. Uh, but th- that's not what is portrayed or put out there all the time. Right, so, right. And, and it's and easy it, to forget that. Right, and they're sort of the last, one of like the last bands for us that sort of never, quote unquote, dropped the mask, I guess, or had to. Because, you know, like we don't, Yeah. you know, you, know, you didn't have like, <clears throat> oh, this is the, this is the burrito that... That Vinny ate this morning. You know what I mean? Like you don't have like what the fuck? A lot, like like insta like the Instagram <laughs> oh, okay, thing. Okay, like, okay. You know right. the Pantera Instagram. Okay, you know here's here's the burrito that uh, uh, Corey Corey Taylor ate this morning or whatever the fuck. Right. Yeah. Or, or what does what does Vinny think? What does Corey think about this? You know, or whatever. You know, yeah. you don't. They. You know, like by the time social media and that kind of level of transparency happened, like someone else is doing Vinny's social media. You know what I mean? He wasn't doing that shit. <laughs> um, sure, sure. But so we really got the 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 rock star image of them. Yeah. You know, like like, like you said, that was how we knew what we knew of them was like through right. those home videos, which is like carefully curated, like dime edited those exactly. things. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. And I mean, and I, I, you know, that's probably why there's like not as much like actual, like as much footage of them just playing as you would want mm. because it would take kind of the mystery out of it a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's hard for me to not 
not like bitterly come to that conclusion because I was so, even now you still, there's still not enough footage of just Vinny playing the fucking drums. Sure. There's just not enough. Sure. There, there could never be enough, but there is a criminally low amount of it right now. And you know what actually is probably the answer to that is that it's like somewhere. Yes. There's a shitload of it somewhere. Like Prince exactly. had his fucking vault. There's, yes. There's a, there's a Vinny vault and a Dime vault and a, you know, everybody. There is. Totally. There is. And I, I would, I would pay handsomely. <laughs> um, just, just, I, I just, I just need, I need, uh, I just need footage of them recording in the studio, of, of Vinny recording in the studio. I need that, and I need, like, a single cam. I just need a single camera shot of 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 some of some Pantera shows. Just just a, a just a fucking handy cam set up behind the kit, just for the whole fucking thing. And oh, that's how he does that. Okay, right. shit. Right. <laughs> you know. Oh man. Like, there are such good. There are so many. I, I brought this up before somewhere, but there are so many videos of like full sets of Tool's current tour. Yeah. For like every fucking date they play. Somebody is just putting the entire goddamn set up on YouTube mm -hmm. like every day. And they're like great quality because phones have great cameras these days. Right. Like, and that's just there for you to go find. And, and dude, they were such a fucking black box <gasps> mystery when we were kids. Yeah. I paid like $30 for like a shitty VHS of them. <laughs> Um, was it the Salival collection? No, 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 okay, no. Because no, that was, no. was a good. bootleg. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it was a Yeah, and, and I, there's a reason you never saw it because I put it in and I was embarrassed that I had. <laughs> you didn't want to spent, say you had this. I, yeah, I didn't want to let anyone know that I'd spent money on that. Because gotcha. um, it's it just indiscernible. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, imagine if Pantera were playing, you know, today, or if the, that technology today was back then. <sighs> And you could just see all these shows because there are some pretty good recordings. There's some great. There's some like great. Surprising, like shockingly good. Yeah. In some cases, for but sure. not nearly enough, like you said. Yeah, not enough. So. Well, and especially like from for because all that stuff is good for like the show. Yeah. But you can't see fucking. There's no Vinny cam. Yeah, there's no Vinny cam. Yeah. You're not getting that from the audience. Yeah. See, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, like at some point, like fucking Big Val or somebody had to some, have a camera down there at some point, yes, right? Yeah, that tape exists. Well, and like that's the thing is like because there's the little clips they have in the video, of, you know, like boom, boom, you, boom, 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 you know, boom, boom, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. better than that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't just get the funny reaction. Show where the whole thing. Right? Yeah, it's like yeah. I know that's not all that exists of that. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, there's the whole, there's the whole, you know what I mean? You have that whole saw, like, you know what I mean? Someone, God, please. Someone did that. Yeah. Yep. Sterling Winfield, we're calling you. Please make this happen. Um, God. Do a Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> do, like, crowdfund it. Yeah. I will put way more money towards it than I should. Uh, I will put an irresponsible amount of money down. Yeah. Um, Maybe I agree there, actually. So, but, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, those were pretty illuminating. I'll send you some of those, but it, it was kind of, kind of, it's kind of blowing my fucking mind to sort of like, cause you don't see, you, you see Vinny do a lot of things in those home videos, but, but, but form sentences. <laughs> very rarely done. Very out. rarely done. Yeah. Um, or and, the ones that are formed are very scattershot. Right. It it, it 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 almost is like more of a window into dime sense of humor. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, because 
Dime is pretty consistent in all those interviews. Um, editing himself how he wanted to be seen. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like he's he's he is that guy all the time. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, there's some, I think I mentioned it before on here as well. Like, but there are some great uh, like guitar center sort of uh, clinics. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Dime, just like an hour and a half of him bullshitting with people and playing riffs, and it's it's just that still. <laughs> It's it's really cool. So, yeah, I yeah. can't can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with that. So this is Pantera episode number five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> should probably nip it in the bud before, before it becomes before we. We'll we'll come back around to this stuff. Uh, always as always. Yeah. Um. Well, on purpose. I mean, we're. Well, I don't know how much of that at the beginning we're gonna include. So yeah, that's true. Um. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. But I feel like I gotta talk about that Roe v. Wade shit a little bit. Oh sure. Um, so God, that was this week, wasn't it? Yeah. So it seems in all likelihood that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, and it seems like on the basis of that, well, this isn't what th- there's no precedent for this in American history, and this isn't what the founding this is like. Basically, it's not literally in the Constitution, so. We're going to take it away, um, which is terrible and awful on a whole myriad of levels. That's I'm, I haven't really got my head wrapped around everything that I feel about it yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't – I assume that the – so, yeah, what happened was the, the decision – Memo. Was leaked uh, by Politico on – Monday morning, Sunday night, something like that. Monday night. Uh, Monday night. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, not final, as everyone keeps saying. Uh, and there's no final decision that's been reached thus far. Mm-hmm. We're at the end of the week. Um, but yeah, that was the decision from the court and sort of uh, that got out there. Yeah, and it. Um, I don't know. Without going too far out in the weeds, you know, it's. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, yeah. I I don't know if the um if the full thing is out there to be read. I don't know th- that got leaked. I don't. I didn't I don't actually know. look myself, but uh, there was a there was like an excerpt from it that I saw today where it was, I think it was uh, Amy Coney Barrett, her her, her line about like there needs to be it, it was to 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 summarize it was like there needs to be enough babies so that people can adopt them because right. people are needing to adopt children. We need a baby supply. We need a baby supply. It was like yeah yeah. We need to up the baby quota, essentially, for that reason. Yeah, it's just such bullshit. Um, it's, you know, and I mean, and without like retreading the, you know, the same, you know, George Carlin bits that I've been listening to for 30 years of, you know. And that a lot of people have been listening to for the past week. <laughs> yeah, as you yeah. should. Yeah. You know, they want yeah. live babies so they can raise them to be dead soldiers. I remember hearing that when I was like 10. I was like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so, but, but yeah, like it's, it's obviously not about pro life, blah, 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 but we've known that, we've known that forever now. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, I have so many thoughts about it. I, you know, one of them is like three of these justices were nominated by Trump, who's a president, who was a yep. president that didn't even get the popular vote, you know, and, and then another three 
were nominated by well, one by Bush Senior and then another two by Bush Junior, and and then it's like, yeah, we shouldn't be surprised because like their their grandfather or you know, um, <clears throat> Bush ones, George Bush ones father Prescott Bush was like involved in the fucking business plot like you know what the business plot was I don't know it was in the 30s a bunch of um, American capitalists were plotting to overthrow the government um, it's a real thing look it up it's called the business plot um, I will the only thing that stopped it was uh, you know this uh, I don't know if he, I don't know what his technical rank was but his name is Smedley Butler famous marine good name um, and he basically was like Fuck you, because they thought they were going to get him to, like, lead it because he was able to – he could muster troops because he had so much cred and all this sort of right. stuff like that. And he basically said – he basically was, understood what they were trying to do and was like, okay. And then – Nope. Yeah, and then noped the fuck out of there. Yeah. Or not, not – he didn't nope out of there. He, was, you know, he I mean, noped into the other room and said, hey, these motherfuckers over here. Something like – something of in badass fashion because that dude only did things in badass fashion. Um, As expected of Smedley. Smedley fucking Butler. Smedley fucking Butler. But yeah, look that shit up. There's a great Behind the Bastards episode or two about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, so in a way, if you put it in that lens, it's like, yeah, that shouldn't be surprising. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> you know? Um, of course you'll have soft spots for fucking fascist, for fascism. <laughs> you know? Um, I think I think what I read was that Prescott Bush was designated to be the liaison between this new American government and the Nazis. <laughs> so, but hmm. you know, I, I don't I don't know to what degree, right? I, I'm yeah. I'm not a historian. I don't know, um, but I know he was involved in some way, shape, or form. And then his children were both, or and then his 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 son became president of the United States, and then his grandson became president of the United States yeah. also, and. To say nothing of Jeb, leave him out of that. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's that aspect that is, that is like, bothersome. And, you know, the point of the long terms for Supreme Court justice is that, oh, well, they're not going to be susceptible to political wins, right? Right. That's why you give them lifetime appointments, so that they have plenty of time to think shit over and so that they're not, you know what I mean? So that they're not going to be blown this way and that. It's like, but Bush was an evangelical Christian. Maybe not Bush Sr., but Bush Jr. was, you know. Um, and so. I mean, the, they're blown into those seats by political wins. That's the. Right. You can't get around that. Right. You can. You can. The ideal is to be as impartial as possible. But. It just doesn't work out that way. Right, in right. In the real world. Right. And like Clarence Thomas's wife was like actively involved in things to do with the the January 6th riots and shit. And it's like. I didn't know that. Oh, dude, that shit's weird. Oh, um, yeah, she's like texting people and shit like that. Like it's wacky. No one's no one cares. No one's investigating because, you know, yeah. a book just came out or is about to come out from a couple of New York Times and in, in uh, investigators who were the ones who leaked the uh, McCarthy uh, tapes the other day mm -hmm. where he was discussing that shit with uh, what's her name? Uh, the other senator, Republican senator who got disavowed by the Republican Party. 
Liz Cheney. Oh, okay. Uh, where they were talking about, a, should we, it should we, uh, pursue impeachment? Mm. And then immediately said, no, we're not going to do that. And there was a whole, the the story about Kevin McCarthy from the other week. I'm I think I'm missing something. Okay, uh, it's it's probably too much to go into here now, and there's a lot of nuance, but. Kevin McCarthy was the House Minority Leader okay. for the GOP. Okay. And when January 6th occurred, uh, he initially was like, we need to look into impeachment. Oh, and I see. And sort of, there there are now audio tapes of him discussing that with uh, like a certain subset. And then the entire uh, House, I guess, you remember, perhaps the entire Congress, I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly. GOP, uh, and it was like we need to do this, and then very quickly was like, no, oh, uh, uh, never mind. Oh, I see. I uh, see what you're saying now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that's. <sighs> you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. I. <laughs> so yeah, with the with the Roe v. Wade stuff and the abortion stuff, and you know, there it hits me in a few ways. You know, one of them is. Is like that's <clears throat> I don't know. I'll 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 organize my thoughts better at some point. We'll get Allison in here. You yeah, know, have yeah. her talk about it and whatnot. But I guess like <clears throat> I don't know, man. Um babies are awesome. You know, kids are awesome, but raising kids is fucking hard. Yeah. And um you know, like imagine I was just I was thinking about this the other day, independent. <laughs> it's like imagine like what is what is raising a kid like? And it's like, all right, well, imagine take take all the things that you that you like to do. All right, now take all the things that you need to do. Okay? Now take all the things that you don't know how to do yet. Or don't know that you need to do yet, but you will once you're taking care of a kid. All right, you have these three categories of things. Now imagine getting them all done with an interruption every 30 seconds to three minutes tops. Constantly. Sometimes with someone screaming at you. Um, And that's kind of what being a parent's like. Oh, I thought you were going to say take that want column and just throw it away. <laughs> well, that's that's an oversimplification. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. because you can do things you want to do. It's just you have to be able to do them while someone is open this, change, you know, this, mm-hmm. I lost this. Where's my this? Can you find this? Can I go inside? Can I, you know, what all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and just the idea, just like the idea of thrusting that upon or like the idea that that not being someone's choice if they're ready for that life change like that's it's disgusting it's gross it's violence it's terrible you know and this is the other thing with all the kind of laws like this it's it's gonna hurt certain communities more than it hurts others sure you know Mm mm-hmm um, that's just how it is. And yeah, you know, 
Yeah, it fucking sucks. There's there's arguments in there that it's like, yeah, this is because you need, you know, if you have a kid, you're more it's more easy for you to be exploited by capitalism. Um, which I agree with because you have to fucking work because there's no social support systems for, in our country. And so if mm-hmm. you have a kid and you don't want them to die, then you're going to take jobs that pay you less than what you're worth just so that you can feed your kid. Um, and then if you're not, if you don't have access to education and if your kid doesn't have access to education, which is probably what they'll go for next, they'll probably try to take away the right to public education. They've been, there've been certain politicians and groups trying to do that for like 50 years now, seven, 50, 60, 70 years now. Yeah. Fucking libertarians, man. Um, you know, then you're going to have this whole pool of people that are, you know, that are, it's going to be even easier for them to be exploited because they're not going to have the education, you know? And like a thing that people don't think about a lot of times, a lot, or people don't, a thing that people don't think about enough is that, you know, in the, in the fifties and the sixties, whenever school desegregation was happening and people were trying, you know, all right, fine. Don't give us any money. We'll just shut down the school and we'll put the white kids in private schools and all that sort of stuff. Because Mm -hmm. what happens in the short term there is that, you know, the black kids didn't just didn't get that education. Um, and what was happening to us as an economy during that time period, um, the nature of our economy was shifting. And it was also during the time of the space race. And so there was all this emphasis put on STEM fields. And if you missed out on your algebra in grade school, you're not going to be able to be an engineer. And so you're not going to be able to be a part of all of that tax money that's now going to subsidize those industries. You're not going to be able to benefit from that. And that's and that's what you'll that's what they want to have happen again, is to be able to cripple entire populations. Yeah, you and know. Then funnel that to where they want it to go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I know I know that's real shitty and not fun to talk about. But you know, um, it's way less fun to to be a woman and to hear that that shit's happening. So, yep. you know, um, yeah, f- felt the need felt the need to bring it up. Yep. So, but fuck that shit. Yeah, I re- I really hope that all Pro these choice. like. Tucker Carlson, you know, like save men, assholes. Like I just, it's like, yeah, man, you guys just, 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 just fuck each other. Like just, <laughs> just, just, just have sex with each other. <laughs> I don't know that there's enough human anatomy there for that to even happen. It's just a, a blob of <laughs> no, no hatred at this point. <laughs> Did you see that any like that trailer for that like documentary or uh, that he put out a few weeks ago or whatever that he put out? That yeah, Tucker Carlson put out. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's called it's called like the end of men or something like that, and it's it's all this. Uh, okay, I can imagine. Yeah, like the tr- the trailer is like a bunch of dudes wrestling, and then some dude like putting a putting like a, a infrared light on his nuts or something to up his testosterone levels and shit. Like it's fucking nuts. These guys are so off out of, off in the weeds. But, um, but yeah, I think like George Takai like retweeted it. and was like, this is the gayest thing I've ever seen, <laughs> you know, shit like that. Right. Right. So anyway, I was sort of referencing that. And I was like, you guys just need to 
Okay. Yeah. Complete the circle, you know, um, because a- any any fucking women that <laughs> like <laughs> you, I don't. All that shit is so far beyond the pale. Like it, even if they did, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, I just a, a but wave. I, I of, see where you're getting. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a wave of of lesbianism sweeps across the country. <laughs> um, but then it won't matter because you know, like you're gonna punish you're gonna push punish women who get an abortion more severely than you punish someone who rapes. So you know, it'll still. Yep. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Hold on. Wait a minute. Something's amiss. Anyway, it fucking sucks. Yeah. Our country's bullshit. All this stuff is bullshit. Um, so it's not bullshit in like a grand fucking narrative, you know, Illuminati, everyone's, but it's not bullshit in that way. It's bullshit in a very, just in a real way. <laughs> so I don't know. Whatever. I don't have anything else of, of value. Oh, oh, this is what I want to say. This is the last thing I want to say about it. Um, I remember in 2016 when Trump was elected and a lot of women that I knew were very upset and were like, this is, this is going to end up with Roe v. Wade getting overturned. And uh-huh. I thought they were crazy. And they were not. I was wrong. And I, and I am embarrassed that I did not believe them so um but that's where i was in 2016 even though i voted even though i voted for hillary i still listened to a lot of joe rogan so i you know i i I wasn't listening to uh i wasn't doing i wasn't listening to many women we'll say it that way um so but that is one of those things like that's been a thing all our lives what what do you mean roe v wade that decision right. has been has stood for all of our lives, and I think that's and some, it just seems like a given. Yeah, and I think so. This is like, how can this happen? I think that is that says a lot. Yeah, because it seemed like something is like impenetrable. Like, what are you gonna right. do? You gonna make you gonna make people slaves again? You know what I mean? Like, right? Because it was it was it was decreed before we were born. You know what I mean? Like it did. It's like whatever. That's done. Yeah. Shit. Cool. All right. More things on the on the on the path to progression. Cool. Awesome. Only forward now. Exactly. That's you one know. of those things you just don't think about in that way sometimes. Yeah. Um, Shay was talking to his because uh, he has like uh, some of his kids are one of his kids is in college right now, mm-hmm. you know, and they are upset, you know, because can you can you imagine like how that must feel like yeah i'm I'm spending my money on tuition i'm working hard right now to fucking participate in this country yeah this is what i'm inheriting what the you know what i mean like good god um yep it's it's fucking i don't know man but i don't know i feel a certain i know these these things aren't these aren't things these things aren't fun to talk about but since I am putting media out there, I feel obligated to to be, I don't know, to be transparent about those things and to let people know how I feel and and all that sort of stuff. Because I feel, I don't know, I, it would feel like I would, it would feel like it would lack integrity if I didn't, even though I know it's kind of a bummer. 
Um, so are a lot of things right now. <laughs> right, right. And that's that's what's on our minds. Yeah. So, so. D- deal with it. <laughs> I yeah, guess. deal with it. Yeah, I don't know. Um. So. Anyway, um, do you want to talk about some of this music? <laughs> some of this fucking music bullshit. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, bunch of weird ass music. Some weird ass music this week. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so we had kind of a weird. We this is kind of a weird week, where we just did, just doing like all right, rando fave albums. I think this is like the third one, of these that we've done. I think so. Yeah. Um, and so I picked an album, and then you picked an album to counter that album. Right. And then we had to find a way to to uh, to to link these two albums together, and we didn't really do that. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we did. I, I mean, I feel like I don't give a shit <laughs> because I liked listening to all this music. Oh, good. <laughs> so, um, I yeah, I, I I feel like there's a way to connect it all. Okay. But but okay, it's in a very very like a tenuous <laughs> yeah form. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. It's very galaxy braid. Um, <laughs> okay. So okay, so let's start with um, your record. Okay. That you submitted. For the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this record. Well, I call the record Wingtip. It's so it's a, it's a dude named Kettle. Right. K-E-T-T-E-L. Mm-hmm. And he is Danish, I think. Swedish. I can't remember exactly. I think it's Danish. Um and he's just a one he's just a dude, just a single guy, uh, who well, he could be married, I don't know. But he's one guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but this dude's got a disc. I don't know if you looked or not, but he's got a discography that goes back like twenty years. Yeah, he's been doing shit for a long time. Right. Uh, and so this is—I can't remember exactly when I discovered this dude. It was—I discovered this alongside a lot of other stuff that maybe I'll bring some of in later on, mm-hmm. if that made sense. Uh, but this dude's entire catalog, every, like once every week or so, I just put all of it on and listen to it, all of it. Wow. Uh, as I'm like working or just yeah. chilling, doing because it's amazing work music. Um, I got I got that vibe. From so it. Uh, I, I've listened to all his stuff like a lot. Okay. Uh, and this album, uh, this is from 2016 uh, or 15. I can't remember, but one of his one of his later ones. Um, and I feel like it it is like he reached a certain point with this one where it's like this is a great sample. Of what it is that he does, I see. I see. Uh, it's 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 pretty diverse. It's like very uh, uh, everything everything that's on it is like pointed mm-hmm. in a certain way. Like each thing is its own little thing, and it's done very very well. Um, so this is like uh, it's it's like it's not it's not EDM, but it's electronic music. It's danceable, but it's ambient. Um, so I was gonna, jazzy, right? I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, because whenever I I was looking this up, it there was like like a playlist recommendation down at the bottom that said like the best of IDM, and I was like, what the fuck is IDM? Intelligent dance music. So I found out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was going to ask you. So where are the lines? between (laughs) like video game music electronic music electronic dance music and intelligent 
dance music. Do any of these terms mean anything to you? Uh, yeah, like I know what they are all used to describe. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like where's the line between those things, it there may as well not be one in some cases because you can you could use some of this stuff for a game. You could easily implant it because there's no lyrics in here. Sure, it's it's all it's all uh, instrumental. I think all of this stuff is all instrumental, maybe with some rare exceptions. Um, but like it can be the way, something I wrote in my notes and the way I like to describe. Uh, this album in particular, and maybe some of his other stuff, is this is what, where do I put it exactly? This is what I would recommend if someone were curious about but intimidated by Aphex Twin. Okay, what a great... This is kind of Aphex Twin light, in a what way. A, what a great blurb. <laughs> yeah, um. that, so that, that's what I would say about this, is it has a lot of the same trappings that Aphex Twin uses, mm-hmm. but in a much more streamlined, approachable way. And... and- so I only have like one Aphex Twin record. I listened to it a long ass time ago. So what are some of those trappings? Like interesting ways to um, manipulate tone. Okay. Uh, is, a, is a really big one. Uh, sort of layering rhythms mm-hmm. on, on top. Okay. And amongst and, and dropping some out and bringing stuff back in and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the way that's done on here is like it's pretty streamlined throughout a given track. The way that Aphex Twin tends to do it is much more like confounding. It's confusing. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's always a, a, a reason and a rhyme to it. In it, Kettle. In, in Aphex Twin. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, here it's more... It's more palatable. It's, it's more understandable. Very digestible. Digestible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 And it, there are there are little quirks like the way that sometimes I don't know why this pops into my head, but like the way that sometimes the beat just drops out and there's like a passage that plays mm. and then it comes back in mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like very Aphex Twin thing to do. Okay. Okay. Uh, so just that, that's what I mean by the trappings here. Is 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 IDM the the genre that Aphex Twin built? I don't remember. Built, yes. Okay. Like he's probably the one credited with like having started it. Whether he whether he coined that term, Sh- I don't know. Oh, sure. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah. Uh, but as for what it describes, what IDM describes, it's very much Aphex Twin. Even, but so then, does that mean that that IDM doesn't necessarily have to be ambient? Because I, if I remember no. Aphex, you know, like when I think about Aphex Twin, I don't think about good work music. It depends. Okay. So he's got a couple of collections to just go off on Aphex Twin for a little bit. He's got a couple of collections that are like literally titled Ambient Selections 85 through 92 or whatever is one of them. And then he's got a separate one that's 93 through whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's total... It's ambient. Okay. It is ambient music, but it's still what he's doing. I see. It's just a slightly different spin on it. I see. But then a lot of what he does is very aggressive and like disjointed and right. angular and like fucked up. Right. Uh, but it all has a reason to it. It's all very – It. you don't need to be a genius to understand it. Sure. But it is complex. I see what There's you're a lot going on. I see what you're is what it is. And so a lot of the same sonic qualities are mm-hmm. here in Kettle's music, in this album in particular, but it's very it's much more straightforward. That's that's a way to say it. I see. I think I understand what you're saying. Okay. 
Yeah, that that whole the whole genre tagging thing with all that stuff, I know of it. Yeah, I just kind of don't care about it because sure. I just find what I like in it. Oh, right, 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 right. But it is I, I, you know, I find those things, I find those things very interesting, mm-hmm. um, because there is a difference between death metal and black metal. There's a difference between you know, b- like black metal and black into death metal and sure, sure, and cosmic black metal you know um atmos- and atmospheric black metal and okay. and all you know the, the, these are di- these are differences and like there are they of the utmost consequence no of course not but by by digging into these different ways that these artists identify their music as you get a sense of what aspect they're emphasizing of it right like, and 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 that that I feel is a really important lens. Sure. So th- like, there's no consequence to it necessarily, but it gives you information about what the music is. Right. And and what it and what it means to the artist, you know, it, like what if they are the one to denote it as such? I guess right. Sure. And and I guess like in the metal subgenre, a lot of them are like we're we're an atmospheric black metal band. Mm. We're uh, you yeah. know, we're <laughs> primordial caveman battle doom or whatever um i mean some of some of it is like is is kitschy like just you know silly or whatever but but you know but it serves a purpose I it, think. it does it does it, it, it lets be, you know what you're getting into so, and if right. you want to search for more like that you can look for that tag or whatever right right because if you're like oh i mean because i had so much such a difficult time. We talked about this in like the jazz episodes. I had such a difficult time getting my head around that music because I thought jazz was one thing. Right. And I didn't, it's like, Oh no, 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 no. Swing, (laughs) big band, ragtime, you know, um, stride, um, you know, bebop, hard bop, post bop, (laughs) um, fusion, Latin, (laughs) you know, goes and goes so on and so forth um okay so so yeah so yeah that's that's basically the type of music this is right intelligent uh, dance so so like i guess yeah and i guess that idm probably just came about as a term because edm was a term and so there's just a lot of there's probably just a lot of things that were that are like because as a sonic palette you know People, if if you know what EDM is, then as a sonic palette, this feels sort of adjacent to that. But then as a yeah. way to delineate it, that this isn't party music, um, or this isn't necessarily dance music, but it, but it is pulling from the same palette, so to speak. Yeah, you know, it's it's there's a lot of the same things happening, but just to different effects in right. some in yeah. some ways. To different effects, there's I feel like there's something really insightful there um because sort of like you were getting at earlier like i can i can put on a lot of these albums like while i work right um i don't tend to put on a lot of Aphex when while i work like some certain albums Mm -hmm. like the ambient ones i mentioned right was very good for that uh but some of his stuff is like just not help it's not going to help you concentrate it's going to distract you from concentrating right uh, it, it's meant to be the focus rather than I don't want to say the background because I'm still enjoying it but 
You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I do. I yeah. do know. So, so there's there's definitely a difference there. Um. So uh, yeah. So like, what was your overall takeaway from this? Album? Um, I had a few. Um, so I'll just throw them out sort of randomly. Um, this is legit funky. <laughs> um, I'm not <laughs> quite sure how, but there's an organic quality to this. Um, just the way that things are put together. That's like, okay, this is, there's something to it that feels organic as opposed to say infected mushroom. Right. Yeah. Which was amazing and incredible, but didn't feel organic to me in the same way. Right. Like some, there are some parts of some of these tracks that like flow into other parts very, very well, like very naturally. Right. And this feels more composed and more played and less programmed. Yeah. I guess that's interesting because it's, I think it's probably mostly programmed i'm sure it is i'm 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 yeah but but it but it doesn't but it feels you know yeah um yeah i don't i don't really know how to do how to express that very well i don't either because i i know the reality is like the opposite like this is very much programmed and infected mushroom plays live instruments in their music but but it doesn't feel that way i know what you mean by that i don't know how to Right. Say that. <laughs> right. I mean, because you can, and I, I, it might just have to do with what is your recording process like, and and how you know what I mean, and how you use space, or I, I don't, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. But there, and and I mean, an organic is the best word I could come up with to describe it. Um, but there's something very, um, like. I guess almost breathy. There's a lot of space in the production mm-hmm. and it and it and it makes it very it makes it very easy to listen to. Yeah. Um and but there's something very interesting about this record which is it's it's extremely slippery in the sense that it's like a you ever listen to any Alan Watts lectures by any chance? I don't know for sure. Okay. Maybe. You've probably heard like some blurb I'm sure for edited snippets. to a video. Yes. Um, I listen to a lot of just his full talks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thing about the way that he speaks, which is incredible, he described himself as a spiritual entertainer. Um, and so... Which is, I think, one of the reasons why his work still holds up for me. Because he wasn't really trying to be... Like, he was... There was a duality him where on one side he was this legit scholar Mm -hmm. um, and knew what he was talking about and had really studied all of all of these other religions and all of these other philosophies and and had been like a minister himself and all these things and so he knew what he was talking about um but there was this other side of him that was like you know like i'm just up here giving fun talks i'm not mm-hmm. i'm this isn't i'm not your guy <laughs> i'm not your guru kind of shit like you could almost you could almost consume that from a technical perspective or a more entertainment like you could yeah. just kind of listen to him talk 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's and it's 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 definitely entertainment first, and then you kind of like learn some shit on accident along the way, right? Right. Um, and he was very, and sometimes I er, earlier on I found this a little frustrating about him, but now I appreciate it a little bit more because he didn't he didn't like take that extra step into bullshittery, um, the way that a lot of people who dabble in that stuff do, um. You know, but the thing about Alan Watts lectures is that while you're hearing them, you're like, I totally get this. This makes mm-hmm. absolute sense. I understand this. This is this is even transcendent. Like this is I absolutely am. I am right here with him. Mm-hmm. And then. um then you try to remember it you get to the and end. you forget all of it and it's all gone. It's like, you try to like, you know, like let's do an Alan Watts lecture is like you, Oh man, that's a great little Phil. So I'm going to put that in my pocket and keep that for later. That's so good. And then you go to put your hand in your pocket later and there's nothing there. <laughs> there's just lint. Yeah. Um, and I, that's kind of how this record is hmm. that while you're listening to it, like drop the needle anywhere. And, and you'll just be like, man, God, this is amazing. And then it's almost like the more that you zoom in, the more you try to look at it from an analytical perspective, it just slips away and you can't get your bearings on it. Um, I feel like I would need to take each track and just listen to each track on repeat like five or six times. I know what you mean. Very actively, very actively yeah. listening five or six times to each track to sort of really – get get a handle handle on on what's going on mm-hmm. and and try to start start to tease apart why this music works as well as it does you know that's i've never really thought that's a i really like that way of describing it i've never really thought about it in those terms but i think that perfectly describes why i like this kind of music mm. period uh-huh. just at a very high level that um, that feature of it, you know, that aspect of it, is what I look for in this type of music. Because when I say things like it has a vibe or it takes me on a journey or all of these things, those that's really what I'm getting at, is that I can engage with it in a, in a way that I don't have to, because I never have drilled down and figured out why this stuff works for me. Right. I just know that it does and that's enough. Sure. And it always does. Right. And um, this, yeah, I, I know what you mean by you could sort of sort of drop in anywhere, drop the needle anywhere and just there's some cool shit going on. Right. But it, it almost all depends on what came before it and where it's going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and it's also sort of in this way that um, because if, and I, I think about how you, what you say you, you use this music for, right. Or, or when you listen to this music, it's often while you're working. And so because there's so many layers and because of, of how it's constructed, you could listen to the same song five times in a row and your, your ear is going to always pick out something a little different each time that you listen to it. So there is sort of a constant source of novelty and a constant source of engagement. It's not like listening to the same Sabaton song. 
over it. It's like, yeah, I know that song now. Um, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I like this one. I'll listen to it again. Yeah. I, I like that one. I'll listen to it again. It's a completely different thing because mm-hmm. there's this there's this vibe, there's this experience that's happening. And but then again, that's exactly what you need for the headspace that you're in while you're doing the kind of work that you're doing. Because if there was something that was constantly engaging, or if there was something that, that you already knew so well that it was boring, it wouldn't do what you needed it to do. Right. Yeah, e- exactly. Um and a lot this album and many others like it that I listen to regularly, um, they're the, they're the sort of albums where like I don't know the names of any of the songs and sure. I, I don't care. Yeah, uh, because I'm not ever going to listen to one of the songs. Right. Uh, and it's precisely because I wanted to go through the whole thing as as a piece. Right. Um, right. So like I'm already an album kind of person, just yeah, naturally, yeah, yeah. and this just like lends itself well to that. That makes sense. Man. So. Um, yeah, I, I like that uh, way of thinking about that. So here's some other random blurbs. Um, yeah, while not being a difficult record to listen to is what we've been saying. It's kind of difficult for me to get my head around in an analytic way. Sure. Um, an organic soundscape with intertwining and overlapping threads. Mm-hmm. There's a serious continuity to it that gives it an almost psychedelic quality. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I yeah. need to listen to each song, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, yeah, but that is another thing is like there's this like baton, this like sonic baton passing thing that that happens very effectively with the way that motifs and things overlap and then come back and, okay, here's something that's happening every fourth measure. Here's something that's happening every eighth or here's something, you know what I mean? And there's it's a very much like a global um approach to composition and so and that's what makes it that's another thing that makes so interesting is that because of that that really gives me the sense of like someone composing it by looking at the whole pattern sure so it's like yeah this is definitely a you know programmed in some sense or another but yet the sound and the execution still has this this thing to it that makes it feel very organic yeah, very intentional, but very organic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this that's that that holds true within. I don't think anything on this album does, but I think that really just holds true within the confines of each song, each mm, each yeah. track. Yes. Because yes, some of these tracks are very very different. From right. One yeah. Another. It's not a track to track thing. It is. It is each each track is its own sort of universe of this yeah. masterful execution. You know. Um, yeah. And uh, there's also so many sort of stylistic motifs and things melded together. And I think that's another thing that makes it so engaging is that you have like these um, because the thing is, that all of these different things are 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 implemented. These different influences and things are implemented, but they're done in a very subtle and what feels like an, an authentic way. Like it's not in a. Not in like a hacky way. It wasn't like I want to put a jazz part here and a country part here. Sort yes, of thing. <laughs> yeah. It was just here's a thing that sounds good in the context of what I'm doing already. Right, right, right. And it, and it also like there's a lot of rhythms that that feel like Latin rhythms and whatnot that are in mm-hmm. here, but they're but they're they're tweaked in a little bit of you know like it's well, we'll take that note off and we'll and we'll uh, you know um, displace it by a beat or two. Right, right. You know things like that, um, but it. So it makes it feel um, authentic, but it's still doing 
is still getting the same job done that a Latin rhythm gets done. Yeah. Okay. You know, but it's doing it in this different way. And, and like he didn't necessarily set out to do a Latin rhythm there. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know, when you have like this, like, you know, like that right there, like that's like, right. You know, that's a Latin rhythm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that's that that's the cell of it, right? Like because if you go, you like one ah 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 ah, so you're doing like the end of two, and then like the down of four, um, but if you put the one in, you know, you have a what's called the tricio rhythm, you know. that right and so that's a super common rhythm shows up in all sorts of shit right um not gonna go off in all that but 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 yeah but you but you see these things like applied in a really subtle way there's sort of certain like classical motifs mm -hmm. you know what i mean like thrown around like it feels like classical melodic things um there's occasional like some just big jazz chords yeah you know that um, that's really prevalent in like a lot of this type of music mm, okay just like jazz just keys give me that seventh give me yeah. the seventh <laughs> it's, it's great like yeah uh, it just fits so well in some of this kind of stuff there's a i think it's just because of the 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 tone like the in the instrument that's being used but it, it reminds me of uh some of the same sounds that herbie hancock used on the future to future record yeah so i almost called them like herbie hancock chords and i'm like they're just jazz <laughs> chords that you know like uh, but they were done to such great effect there that they Right, they right. Associate themselves with that, yeah. Um, but yeah, and those are just the things that I can pick up on. Like, there's other things happening in here that um, that I'm just not able to, you know, tease out. Yeah. Um, because I lack the knowledge to. <laughs> well, like you said, if you listen to it, like, if you listen, if you picked a track or all each track and listened to it like four or five times and really thought about it, listened to it, you would hear all sorts of like just like smart thoughtful things going on right right i think um, that just happened to work so well that they're able to be glossed over i think my favorite example of it is the song uh red bud like yeah i don't know if that's <laughs> but but that so there's this thing that happens on here like every four measures yeah. Right. So just so you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. But it and like that. That's such an interesting coat hanger for a fucking <laughs> song of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, where's the where's like the chord change? Where's the this where this? Well, there's like four notes or yeah, there's like four notes that happen every fourth measure. And there's a chord change, and they change those notes too. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. But uh, and but but like that, like here's your anchor. Yes. Right. Like your anchor isn't on the one of the first measure, or even in something in the first measure at all. Your anchor is on the, you know, there. Right. That's your sign that we're coming back around to the beginning. Right. So here it, it comes. And yeah. it and it and it becomes like because I was just. And it, I noticed it before I noticed it, right? Like, cause I was, <laughs> yeah. I was driving around and, you know, and I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, <laughs> uh, and I was like, but, but like it had built that anticipation 
yeah. without me even being conscious of it, of looking forward to the end of that phrase. And it was like, man, what a cool thing to do. And I feel like one, I feel like there's at least eight more examples of that in that track alone. And, and, you know, and like 10 to 20 examples of that in each of these songs. Yes. Yeah. There's, it's, it's just full of that shit. And that's, that's a big part of what I love about this stuff. Like I, I almost, I really wanted to bring this album for you to listen to, just to see what you thought about it Yeah. and see what you could pick out from it and, and, uh, and all that. But I was kind of hesitant to, because like, this isn't really an album that you can talk about like, Oh, I like this track and this track did this cool thing. It really has to be taken as a whole. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of challenging to, to work through that way. It was, it was challenging in a, in, um, you know, I think I listened to it like five or six times. Sweet. You know? <laughs> um, and it was it was very different than the experience I had with, like, say, like the Pink Floyd, like Shay's Pink Floyd playlist. Exactly. Where, like, I listened to that while I was, like, doing other shit, and then I got mad about <laughs> an hour and a half. Well, I'm glad it was different from that, at least. Into it. And then I, and then I had to, I had to, like, have, I had to focus had to have like a focus listen to to that place and then it was like okay i get i get it i get this okay gear change i get it i get it okay cool 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 yeah. right with this it was i was almost like i had to stop trying to get it i had to just turn mm. that off just let it play I'm like oh, so i'm gonna listen to it for two days you know right, <laughs> and, right. and just and we'll see what happens and 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 and, and I'll, I'll see what i can tease out reflection wise you know um, yeah. And then the fact, it was almost like the fact that I couldn't, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> um, oh, it's so interesting that I can't find anything interesting to say. <laughs> Maybe we'll make that the interesting thing to say. Right. Like the, that's, that's literally exactly what I was kind of worried about because like the stuff that we've already talked about sort of broad strokes about everything that's going on. That's kind of all I have to say about Same. it. Same. Yeah, that like I have a couple tracks that I specifically really love mm -hmm. for for various reasons because because they're like so pointedly cool. Which ones? In a specific way. So, uh, Quick Pig. Yeah, that's second, the second second one. track, and then sort of like the end, which is like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. It's just so fucking great. There are so many things that happen right. later yeah, on yeah, in this yeah. track. Sure. Yeah, man. Um, well, oh yeah, and like so, this one, like those tones right there. That's like straight up. That that tone there mm -hmm. is like that's what made me think. Oh, this is this is, oh, this is like also video game music. Uh, but it's not, maybe it's not necessarily like video game music. It's just that it does what video game music also needs to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's probably actually true. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the, so that track specifically. And then uh, like, like laundry. Uh, it it bitta is really cool, but then the end. So you have the koi, mouse fort, and laundry. The last three tracks. Okay. And there's that trifecta is so fucking cool, and they're all so different. Nice. Um. Very strong ending on this out, but yeah. man, this I. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just a nice little piano outro there. Um. Yeah, I really, really love this album. Uh, and uh, all this dude's stuff is great to some extent or another. But this is the one that I pick out where I'm like, if I'm going to show anybody this stuff, this is the one I'm going to play. It's, it's a very focused and enjoyable experience. It's a really a contradiction of a record <laughs> in, in so many ways because it's, 
I don't know if I've ever had that experience before of of um the more that I zoom in the 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 like the, the less sense it makes. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the 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 more disoriented I feel. I don't know that I've ever had that experience with uh with a piece of music before. Hmm. So, yeah, the, a lot of stuff that I listen to these days is like that and I'm sure that there are people who listen to this stuff and they they latch onto those things and they say, well in track 4 in, you know, in the breakdown, I really love what this part does. And that's what I listen to this for or whatever. Sure. I, that's just not how I engage with it. Uh, right. It probably can be, uh, and that's cool. Right. But it, it, it almost reminds me of, or th th what you're describing almost reminds me of how I feel when I listen to like uh, classical indie music, like ragas and whatnot. Um, and it's like, I know there's a structure there, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but man, do I enjoy how those things make me feel mm -hmm. when I listen to them? Yeah. You know, and you know, this, this, this constant dance, it feels like between sort of improvisation and order and disorder and, and whatnot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how the ragas feel because the thing is, is because you, because it's so hard. If you don't know what you're listening for, you can't like such as myself, you can't tease out what the structure is or what the cycles are or how long the cycles are. Right. Um, or what the different cues are um, and whatnot. So you'll be 20 minutes into this just thing, just swimming is how it feels. And then there's this crazy unison figure that takes like 15 seconds, you know, where like the tabla player and the sitar player are just all in perfect unison out of nowhere. Mm. And it is sweet. It is it's amazing. <laughs> It is like, so fucking cool. Uh, the the it was worth the wait to get to get to that point. Right, and it feels like absolute magic. Right, but it's not. It's not magic. Like it's it's there. There's 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 a thing that's happening that you just don't understand. Right. Yeah. Um, and so. Well, so if eventually on one of these, I'm gonna, I I want this made sense to do first, but eventually I'm gonna bring in some Apex Twin. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, and because that shit is that like to a T. Yeah, man. Um, I'm down. To Did the point where you might listen to it and go, man, fuck this is stupid. This is nothing. There's nothing going on here that makes any sense. <laughs> and I, I would understand that complaint. <laughs> I don't know. But got, anyway. Yeah. I got through that Pink Floyd playlist. So <laughs> I, feel um, like, I, feel like, I feel like my patience has been upgraded. <laughs> Shay, you did this. Yeah, Shay, you did this. So that's going to be the challenge now. It's like... Like you just, <laughs> like I, you were like, dude, the last five albums I don't even like. I've just been trying to, I'm just trying to work your way up to build your tolerance up. Yeah, you know? just try to, yeah. So, um, oh man. But yeah, like Aphex Twin. I mean, I didn't really get into. There was a Venetian Snares record that I got really into. I don't mm -hmm. know if you you ever trip on. I've that dabbled record. a little bit. I need. Okay. I've always kind of meant to check out more though. Well, maybe we'll. We'll you bring an Aphex Twin, I'll bring a Vini. Or maybe it wouldn't be a good idea to do both those in the same week. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But um, but yeah, rad. Okay. So you you hit me with that one. Yeah. And then I was like, all right. And then you hit back. Yeah, because I like I skipped around it and I heard like one like lead, one like I was like, all right. Cause I, I had so many that I was I was thinking about throwing at you. That, and I was like, all right. The die has been cast. It's gonna be 
The Leprechaun by uh-huh. Chick Corea, 1976. Um, and I, I, uh, I love this album so 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 much. Yeah. So you own this CD? I do, right here, here. Yeah. right here. The Leprechaun, looking like Lionel Richie on that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I guess he kind of does. Um, but so I brought this up to you actually a few weeks ago. You out- mentioned Chick Corea. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. I, I mentioned Chick Corea, but like sort of out of nowhere. And then you recommended this album. Yeah. And luckily, I didn't go listen to it so that I could listen to it for this. Oh, good. good. Well, and <laughs> yeah. and that, that planted a seed. I was like, okay, we kind of accidentally talked about Chick Corea. Right. So, you know. I, I had heard um, there was like an NPR interview with uh, people who were talking about his legacy and like what they what he mm. meant to them. And yeah. Like just these huge names in music. And he, they were like, oh, he was like the most important, you know, musical figure in my life and all this stuff. I was like wow okay I've never heard of this guy's name he's shit he's a big fucking deal and and I'm not a piano player so I can't really understand I, I can't tell you what makes Chick Corea special mm-hmm. as a piano player um, or synth Same. player yeah um, what mm-hmm. I can tell you um, that is something that he does extremely well in particular on this record that not a lot of people can do very well is is switch between different um, keyboard instruments and mm. and play all of them with absolute um, just mastery. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I can't describe what it is technically that he's doing that's so great, but, like... I can tell you that it sounds like magic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, sure, yeah. Because the way that he plays synth is incredible. The way that he plays acoustic acoustic piano is incredible. And the way that he plays, like, the Rhodes, like, electric piano, also incredible. And those are three very different. Yeah, like, his feel on all of them across the whole thing is, like, impeccable. And it's different. His yeah. feel on each one of them is different. Yeah. And I think that that, that is a thing that – that's a thing that's real difficult to do. That's – you know, I, I think there's a, a – you know, you, you, it's easy to oversimplify and be like, well, shit, man, it's just fucking white and black keys, right? And it's like, yeah, but the things that sound good on one are not going to sound good on another. Like right. when, when you're on acoustic piano, you can play these big chords and all this comping and all that sort of stuff and really fill up the whole thing. You can't do that on a synth. Yeah, it's um, a, like acoustic versus electric guitar. There are different things that sound better on one or the other. So. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, so, but yeah, I, I didn't discover this record early on. Okay. I discovered this record a few years ago, actually. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm not quite sure how. I think, I think I might have just st- had been stumbled up, stumbling upon articles like, well, you know, top jazz fusion records, something like that. And I and came across this one. I was like, okay, fuck it, yeah, let's try this one. And this is probably my favorite jazz fusion record by a long shot. Um, the things that I love, ab- and I was a little, I wasn't quite sure how I was gonna feel. Like I knew that I love this record, but I, I coming back to listen to it for this. Yeah, I wasn't really sure uh-huh. how I was gonna feel about it, and because we had just recently talked a bit about Frank Zappa and how you came back to that, and 
<laughs> yeah, the, yeah. There are similarities. Um, oh God, I don't, I don't feel them at all. They're there. They're there a little bit. Um, I'll trust you. But, <laughs> well, but a big turnoff for me about Zappa is his attitude and the lyrics and whatnot. Oh sure. Um, sure. That's that, yeah. That's a whole different story. Yeah. I, I'm speaking strictly in the in the realm of like musicianship and like the feel of what's going on here yeah sure and and so and and i i would argue that they feel very different music even musically Mm. maybe like sort of instrumentation or sort of voicings or sort of language that's being used is similar maybe that's really what it is but the but the playing is extremely different i would say okay um but but no come back to this record this is I can say with confidence, this is one of my f- favorite records. <laughs> tip, tip top. Awesome. <laughs> it's really fucking good. It's really weird and it's really cool. I'm really, really, I'm really, really glad that you dug it. Um, yeah. Uh, it's kind of blowing my mind that there are like descriptions for all of these tracks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Whoa. It kind of tells you what's like what's going on in each track. Oh like, shit! Story wise, I didn't even know this. What? I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't expect this. Uh, imps, welcome. The imp is the leprechaun's herald. He summons you and welcomes you into his world. That's the first two hundred two minutes and fifty six seconds of this album. <laughs> oh, this like, is great. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that uh, with that with, with this in mind. Uh, so to me, this um, I have some notes, uh, but um, apart from just like general praise, this sounds like. Are you familiar with um, the movie Return to Oz? <laughs> <laughs> they have a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yes, I'm quite familiar with that movie. Okay, good. So yeah, like the sequel to The Wizard of Oz that came out in like 1986, I think. Maybe. Starring like Feruja Balk. Yep. Uh, it's this horrible nightmare escape of a movie like done by Disney. And it's Technic. just these horrific like monstrosities. Uh, and just to, to see what that world of, of Oz has become. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. It really is. It, it kind of fuck you up when you're a kid. I really love that movie, though. Um, yeah. When's the last time you watched it? I guess it's been a while now. Alice and I watched it a few years ago, and it was and it was it was still unsettling. Cool. Um, yeah. I, I I watched like a, a retrospective on it recently, so I saw some parts, but yeah. Like I, I think that there's some like thing that shows up every once in a while at her time hop, because while we were watching it. Apparently, like we're sitting on the couch, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, the fucking moose!" <laughs> oh yeah, okay. And, and then she like fucking like made a Facebook post about <laughs> it, so it shows up on her time hop every <laughs> once in a while. Oh shit! S- some shit like that. Yeah, man. So, so uh, the reason I go that route is, it's not that this sounds like that movie feels or anything, but this sounds like this is to me is the soundtrack to a movie that is a weird sequel to a like. extremely bright and cheery positive movie this is the soundtrack to that other movie but it's not necessarily like horrific or anything it's just twisted so this is the soundtrack to so so imagine there's a movie okay and it's like like the wizard of oz was to begin with like 
unrelentingly like po- I mean, well to a certain extent like positive and bright and mm-hmm. colorful and happy and cheerful and all these things and but, then but you, fantastical still and fantastical yeah and then juxtapose that with return to oz and like the difference the 180 and the weird twisted nature of that versus the original right this is the soundtrack to a fictional second movie of some fictional first movie <laughs> you know what i mean so is <laughs> so okay I, I i only bring in the oz comparison to to give you the juxtaposition there right and so is this so is this as to is this as to imaginary record as Return to Oz is to Oz? Yeah. Or or soundtrack to imaginary movie? Yeah. Okay. So this is the dark dark twisted weird one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. There's a there's a weird unsettling nature about this that I really enjoy, I really enjoy. Okay. Um okay. and it's, it kind of feels like it's trying to escape itself at times <laughs> what a great description <laughs> like because it, it feels like it's it's all contained within this like jazz fusion uh idiom i guess right but it feels like they like jut out way over here sometimes yes. and then over this way and like some weird shit happens on this album and that that's why it's probably my favorite is because you have jazz fusion players using jazz fusion language mm-hmm. um and whatnot, but this record is so dynamic. That, exactly, like, and and the instrumentation changes so often, and that and then like, you know, I think it's right on the end of Lenore, and you have the female vocals come in, yeah, and then they're sort of featured, you know, sort of throughout the middle and yeah. whatnot. They come and, in looking at the world also, and then a couple other places, soft and gentle, yeah, right, right, and but when they first come in there, you don't like rec- you don't expect it to happen, no. Because you, it's like you said, it's just like jazz fusion, it's some fucking shred fest or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but I feel like just even though they're not present on the whole record, having I think it's the I think it's the vocals and the way that they're used in this sort of like ethereal mm-hmm. way, atmospheric way that sends this record into the fucking stratosphere. Hundred percent, it gives it a whole other feel. And they the fact that they use them so sparingly. Yeah, uh, it's used for effect. It's not. There's not a singer on this album. Right. 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 There's a singer that pops up from time to time. Right. Right. And yeah. then like these interludes, like Reverie, that's only like two minutes long, or the Pixieland Rag. Yeah. You know, just so... <laughs> like just these short little things, and it you have all of this like propping up, you know, the 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 longer tracks, you know. Yeah. That, yeah, that's that to me is what like really elevates this and like makes it work like it does. Yeah, because there are there are maybe like five jazz fusion tracks on here, right. and everything else is some other weird shit that sort of coheres it together. Yep, and that's that's what's so cool about it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Imp's Welcome is kind of not even, you know, Lenore. I feel like is the first real track. Night Sprite. Um, Looking at the world, Leprechaun Stream for mm-hmm. sure, and uh, is it? Yeah, looking at the world, um, and whatnot. So, so yeah, but it's these little, these like little things, those little short interludes that I think really, really do it for me. And and I, there's also, um, I wrote a lot about it. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, 
well. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see where I get to. Um, get there eventually. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like the instrumentation and song styles vary from track to track, but there's still a kind of subconscious continuity. Mm-hmm. So unlike many jazz fusion records, this one really feels like a journey Yes, to th- me. That's what jumped out and made me think like film score because this mm. feels like a film score to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that. It's not that long. Nope. Uh, it's like thirty-eight minutes. Yeah, and like I the think. last track's thirteen minutes, but it's a it's a whole journey of it of its own. Right. Um, but it feels like a progression. Right. And like you go to different places and you experience different things. Right. Whereas like a lot of jazz fusion records are sort of like, hey, here I wrote this tune. Let's fucking shred. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's fine, but like, okay, I wrote this other tune. Let's fucking shred. <laughs> yeah, like this you to know. me is so much more interesting. Oh yeah, <laughs> than yeah, that. yeah. And there's kind of a there's a lot of there's there's a lot more space in this record than like, uh, Weather Report or than even Chick Corea's big rock fusion band Return to Forever, mm. um, which I think this was one of the first records he made after doing after the- Return to Forever. Um, so that's, so yeah, that there's, there's just a lot of things, a lot of elements in here that are done like just right. Um, and so yeah. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that is, um, oh yeah, this, this was something I was going to say. Um, in a way, this is an interesting companion to the Kettle record, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Because it it almost is doing the same thing. Yeah. But the Kettle record is all is very subtle. And yeah. there's nothing subtle about what's going on here. It's all tasteful. Yeah. It's all tasteful. It's done with restraint at times. Mm-hmm. But it's not really subtle. Yeah, I can go with that. Here's a goddamn Rhodes piano. Here's some percussion shit. Here's some female vocal. Like everything. Here's some fucking. Here's some funk guitar. Check out, check out, you know what I mean? Here's a bass solo. You know, here's here's drum solo. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not. They're not. They're not really sneaking much in. You know? No. They're being pretty upfront about what it is they want to do, at any given time. And then. Also, you consider the way that this was recorded. Right. And that is another thing that elevates this, the experience of this to me so much because I, I'm, I'm going to, because I, I looked it up, I counted, I did some counting. Okay. So, so the drummer on this is Steve Gadd. And you're going to have to deal with me talking about Steve Gadd quite a bit. I'm sure that you're sure you're not surprised. Got it. Um, this was released in 1976. How many records do you think that Steve Gadd played on that were released in 1976? Oh, that wasn't the question I thought you were going to ask. Uh, 10. 20. God damn. 30. 50. 45. 45. Holy shit. Wow. 45. That dude played on 45 records that were released in 1976. How do you have... No one has that time. No one has that kind of time. How do you... Man, how? So... Amazing. 
so that means what that tells me is that this record was probably tracked in like a week tops. Yeah. Maybe a few days. And so, or, or like well beforehand, maybe because if all that shit came out in one year, it doesn't necessarily mean it was recorded in that year. Of course. So of course. It could have been but... done over like a decade, but no. probably not. No. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Cause the thing is, I'm going to say the possibility is there, he but did like just as uh, many in 1975, it, just as many, you, you know what I mean? Yep. There you go. Okay. Um, so god damn man and so so like the nature of how this record is recording is you're in a studio and it's like here's the chart here's the tune and we're gonna and it's like and we're gonna like this is recorded like a like the og black sabbath records were recorded where it's like yeah let's fucking play right and then and then you know then you go do and, and then you go do some overdubs right but the meat 90 you know 80 percent or whatever like the bones of it are recorded all together and and yeah they probably stitched some different takes together but but you're not like oh that drum hit was a little late or you know or whatever you know you're not moving anything mm -hmm. you're just like okay well, the first half of that was great of take one maybe blah 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 i don't know maybe these are all one takes i don't know there's no way to know <laughs> um <clears throat> like for, for what it is it sounds incredibly well produced Right, and it sounds it sounds like oh, dude, y'all must have rehearsed y'all like this is a band, right? Right. It's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it, it it sounds like they came in to record this knowing exactly what they wanted to do and exactly how they wanted to do it. Right, and so I was digging into the uh, drum transcription of Night Sprite, um, and there, and I started to hear some, th you know, see some things, and then hear some things, and you could, there's certain little little things that happen where you can sort of speculate and connect dots of like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm hearing, like this is a take with great feel, but there are lots of happy accidents happening in here, right? Mm. Like there are things that don't really um, sort of compositionally from the drums make a lot of sense. Um, so here, here, here's an example. Um, so I don't know if this will make sense, but we're gonna try. Um, so, so there's a. So that that big interest there, mm -hmm. okay? So like, I don't know, Phil, whatever. He goes one snare, three rest second measure boom now then he's doing a backbeat on the on the floor tom or right. on the low tom right yeah but on the first measure of of that because it sounded had, like he was about to just go straight ahead like, exactly to, 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 yeah 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 okay. and so like what that's okay. this is shit that happens to drummers all the time <laughs> you're like wow. boom like you you're anticipating one feel and if you find yourself having to be pulled into another one basically. right like are you you go into and you're like shit that's not it and fix it right and then you you know what i mean and, and you recover and, and you're good but and it almost feels like you can hear that happening yeah and because steve gadd is such a master <laughs> it just he just like shrugged it off <laughs> it's it still sounds intentional it still yeah. says it still has an art to it there's yeah. still you know what i mean an artistry to it because you could look at that and say well he just like played that snare note there right just maybe for flavor, maybe right? That's exactly. Maybe he did, but uh. maybe he did. Maybe he did, right? <laughs> but and, yeah, like you just bringing that up out of nowhere and me 
picking up on that, like, obviously that's kind of what it sounds like. Right. And, th- and there's all sorts of like little things in there where like, you know, where he's like doing the bass drum on like the backbeat. But like, it's not, it's not, it's such a great, really, it really is such a great, um, I guess, counterpoint to the kettle record where everything is very like these rigid cells and like every fourth measure you're getting this or yeah every eighth measure you're getting that or whatever um and you're hearing like the musical intuition of these players get those same things done but it's mm-hmm. in a very organic it's not in a very rigid way it's coming out and and just like you know, well, let's spice this up a little bit. Uh, right. Well, of course, that's not how I spiced it up the first time. Or, of course, I'm not going to keep doing it that because it's just, no, that was that was a little, that you only get that that one time. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, one is very pre programmed and like you, it's intentional. And the other one is reactive. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Reactive. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. That's, and there's so much of that on here. Another, another moment that, that's cool. I would not have really picked up on much of that. So. There's a lot of stuff like that in there. And another one that sort of um, stuck out to me as, uh, as, as maybe this kind of thing is so if you, go to looking at the world and around like the 417 mark so I'm gonna go a little bit for so they're playing like kind of straight and then they switch to being really swung like uh-huh yeah you know um, I'm not like really playing it because I don't want to have to deal with editing. Um, or fuck it, no, whatever. <laughs> if it flags it, then they'll cut it out. Here we go. So I'm backing it up. So like, yeah, it sort of eases into being just like. Like super swung, where it starts off like you know, like being more straight, and then it almost, it almost feels like what you hear because there's like a little, like some of Chick's notes are a little close together, and then like, you know, Steve and Eddie are like, oh, you want to swing? Let's fuck it, you know, and then they go into this really tight shuffle, you know, this tight halftime shuffle kind of thing, and like it maybe it was absolutely planned. You know what I mean? But it almost has that feeling of like it like it happened on accident. Right. And it was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do that. That was great. Leave it in. You know? Who yeah. can say? Yeah. Sure. The last eight bars. Be swung. Fuck it. <laughs> Sounded great, guys. Um and and yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing, is like that kind of playing is on so all so many records from this era, so many records with these kinds of musicians. Mm-hmm. But they still I just love the way that Chick took those different elements. And then mix them with these other other things to create this sort of dynamic yeah. story. Yeah. Right. Because if you just if if this was a whole album of Night Sprite, I would I would I wouldn't I would get bored. Yeah, it I'd wouldn't be, be nearly as interesting. Right. But when you bookend it with all these really all these different timbres and and all these different things, man, it, it's just so amazing to listen to. Yeah. Like to me, it's kind of 
doing a similar thing, but in a very, very different way to what Pink Floyd did with like Dark Side of the Moon. Mm. Like trying to have this through line in all these different ways mm-hmm. throughout. But like I said, in a very, because they, that's just like very clearly, these are all Pink Floyd songs still. And they're just adding production techniques mm-hmm. and sound effects and different ways to get you to listen to it differently. Whereas this is just, we're doing different things. We're doing different styles. Right. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But to sort of the same effect. In right. A way. And it is interesting too how sort of minimal and yet how good the production is. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, pan that synth, that first half of that synth lead left and then the next part's right. And and that's really like the product, all the the production tricks you're going to get. The rest of it is just really clear sound. Yeah. But because of the of the instrumentation and like the actual like yeah. the actual compositions and the actual playing it it that's what differentiates it. Yeah, that that's what makes it as brilliant as it is. Yeah. Um all right, I probably got to talk about Steve Gadd for a little bit now. Okay. Steve Gadd corner. <laughs> um All right. So <laughs> I mean, did the drumming on this like stick out to you? No. Or was it just like that's good? That's that, yeah. that that's doing what it's need. That's doing what it needs to do. More or less. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. But it was good. Every aspect of this album was like fucking really good. So. And and that's kind of. That's it, it, it's to me. It's one of those things where it's like because I'm not a drummer. If I don't notice it then it's doing its job. You're exactly right. <laughs> right. You're exactly right. So and and that is honestly that is probably the the best sort of thing that you could say. Right. Like it's like sort of the highest compliment in a way. Right. That's more that that's probably the biggest testament to how good the drumming is on this record. That the drumming, as busy, as crazy, as intricate as it is, didn't somehow still did not interrupt your experience of the music right and of the greater arc of the record right because i will say that like that's probably if i had to pick like one favorite thing about this album it is that aspect of it is that there is so much space and it like everything despite having sections where shit is going off the rails you know here's as many notes as we can put into this one little section there's plenty of time on both sides for it to breathe right. and for things to transition into other things. And that's, I really value that a lot uh, when listening to this type of music. Right. So, right. Yeah. You, and, and there's not, there's not enough of that in a lot of this type of music. I don't feel, um, or it's not done well, or it's not just done as well as it's done here or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but I fucking love the way it's done here. And I remember realizing this aspect of like the best drumming is the drumming that just lets you enjoy the song was um it's actually with a tom petty record um wildflowers you know it <laughs> um i know this game yeah you know you know but i that was just one of my favorite records for like 10 or 10 years or something yeah, yeah. or or 15 years or some shit for some long ass time <laughs> before i even noticed the drumming oh man or, or before i was like 
started before I started paying attention before to you it. started listening to the drumming right yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it was like oh my god this drumming is so good and then it was like oh my god the drumming is so good because I didn't notice it <laughs> <laughs> you know um because I was just enjoying the songs and yeah. that's what the best drumming does is it it gets the fuck out of, like it, it does what the music needs it does what the songwriter needs what the you know the whoever needs but it it it, it's almost like it does the bare minimum, you know, that that um, that the songwriter, performer, whatever, it does the bare minimum that the music needs and gets the fuck out of the way, right? Hmm. Um, I guess. I don't know. I guess it just depends on the, the intentionality behind it. Yeah, yeah. Because now I'm thinking about the next thing we're going to talk about, and there are some aspects where, like, you are listening to the drums in this part, like, that sort of thing. You know it's what I mean? different though. Okay, well, we'll get there then. It's different. Though. Okay, okay. Um, I guess like, you know, like the another, like 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 bands like Slipknot or or even the Police, where you're like, man, that drummer. And yeah. but th- most music is not Slipknot or the Police. Um, right. Been listening to uh, some Rush lately. Yeah. A lot of Neil Peart stuff going on. Right. Um, yeah. A lot, not a lot of stuff is is Rush, right? Right, exactly. Um, and with Slipknot, like Joey wrote, Joey wrote a lot of the riffs. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. him doing fills and things that are little mini drum solos around a riff that he wrote, <laughs> right? You know, is a lot different than you coming in and like chopping it up over a singer songwriter thing, or you know, or whatever. And and so. I guess like what I'm saying is like those bands where that really feature the drummer are are few and far between. And there's a lot of other things that have to be just right for that kind of thing to work. Most music just isn't that. No matter the genre, most music just isn't that. Um, Whether if it's jazz fusion or big band or singer songwriter or metal um, or whatever, or funk or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really, you know, um, it's got to be the big picture first, and the drums are a part of that. Um, and so that's actually amazing. I'm glad that you said it that way. That you, yeah, I didn't really notice the drums because that that's <laughs> even more a testament to like the genius of Steve Gadd. So, um, I feel like I don't want to go too off out in the weeds here, but um, so Steve Gadd's a really big fucking deal. <laughs> Okay. In in the drumming community, it sounds like it. If if by only uh, if by only virtue of his prolificness, <laughs> right? Prolificity. Um, and so like Steve is sort of one of the archetypal, you know, modern session musicians. Mm, like okay. when you think of like what those guys are. Now there were prolific session drummers before him, um, but but mm, that had you know, prolific outputs as well, mm-hmm. you know, like Hal Blaine, part of the Wrecking Crew, like, you know, or like the Motown guys, you know, Benny Benjamin, Pistol Allen, Uriel Jones, or Roger Hawkins down at Muscle Shoals, you know, Earl Palmer. Um, All the greats. You know, just really big deal fucking drummers, and each one of them has like, oh, well, they've I've played on. How many one, number one hits have you played on? 
I got you beat. I've played on 52. <laughs> Only 46 for old Earl. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Like, right. these are just, you know, like these are guys who played with Sinatra, the Beach Boys. All, ev everybody. Aretha Franklin. Like, everybody has heard these, these guys play, right? But what they were really good at was... Oh, artist is in here on Tuesday. What's your song? What's it? All right, I'll make that feel great. All right, cool. Right. Next one. You know what I mean? Um, and it was with a group of guys and all this sort of stuff. It's a little different than what would be happening in the '70s, and then what would become like the what would was going on in the '80s was like a studio musician, a studio drummer. Which, and I guess like what makes Steve Gadd really unique is that he was one of these guys where, yeah, like everyone heard him. Everyone who was listening on the radio had heard him on accident in that time period because he played with Paul Simon, he played with Steely Dan, he played, you know. I was going to bring up Steely Dan, yeah. Whoever, you know. Um, but he was also playing on all these records. And so he was sitting in, in these two spaces where everyone was hearing him, but also he was the guy that drummers were trying to cop shit from too. Hmm. And so... That's what makes it. That's what makes it unique. And I think he's one of those, the first guys that really becomes that, <clears throat> where, you know, you're making this many records, and you're making pop records, you're making folk records, you're making blues rock records, you're you're making these jazz fusion records, and you can just do it fucking all, you know. And then you get tired of doing this, and you go out on tour, and you tour with, and you know, like Steve Gadd still fucking tours with Eric Clapton. You know what I wow. mean? Because he can fucking have, you know, because Eric Clapton can have the best fucking whoever. And so he's like, oh, I'll have Steve Gadd, you know, or whatever. How old is he? Do you know? See, uh, he's in his 70s at least. Right. I, would um, I would think so. Yeah. But um, still killing it, you know. It's awesome. Um, so, yeah, he's and and so stylistically, we'll go a little bit in the stylistic weeds of Steve Gadd. What he brings to the table is. Um, Let's see. Did I write it down? Um, but yeah, like these versatile jazz fusion pop masters. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so he shows a link between like the jazz vocabulary, um, funk phrasing, pop sensibility, and Bonham bombast or Bonham-esque bombast. Right. And so he's able to do all of that. And that's pretty fucking unique <laughs> to be able to like play. Oh, yeah, man, I'm going to play these really tight like funk grooves, you know, because there's like a section in um, Leprechaun where he's basically doing his version of like a James Brown beat, you know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so he's steeped in that language. But then also like some of the fills that he does in Night Sprite. He's using sort of like a, a displaced uh, paradiddle diddle. And it's actually the sticking, if you fill in the jazz ride pattern, okay? So the jazz ride pattern is ding, ding, a ding, ding, a ding, ding, a ding, right? If you fill in the left hand, you know, right? So that's it in triplets. But he's doing it as 16th notes, you know? So, you know, like, um, all right, oh, fuck. 
like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like when he's doing some of those ripping fast drum solos, like that's what he's doing, right? But but it's not important to to hear it. What's important is that like he's taking a sticking that is derived and applied to the jazz ride pattern and then he's doing it as 16th notes right and using it very effectively very like he's taking one thing and using it extremely efficiently to maximum musical impact <laughs> right in right. in this different context and so so that's some of the things that you have that he's the new things that he brings to this table this like emphasis on rudiments um, and their versatility and their effectiveness um, linear playing is another thing. So linear playing is basically when you're not hitting two things at the same time. Okay. So like. Hmm. You know, like that kind of stuff. Okay. You know, we, uh, when I got into that, I, we, we, the, the song, remember the shitty all severed song leaves that we never released? Like shitty? that's. <laughs> it's a good song. Well, yeah, it was a good song. But the but but my execution of the groove in the verse is very stiff. It's kind of a shitty recording in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, we were writing way above we what punch- we could do. We were punching well above our weight. Um, that, yeah. But that but like the drum groove is like that's a linear groove. Yeah, because okay. it's not like. Okay. Right? Like only one thing is hitting at a time. Yeah. So that, it's like a line. Yeah, yeah. Is the idea. That makes intuitive sense. Like I never realized that that was actually a a type of way that you could play. I just always – I've heard those sorts of beats and just thought that it was like cool that you could hear each thing happening. But I <laughs> right. guess it's to that effect, like to the right. point. Right, right. So, okay. Cool. And so, so Steve's like a master of that. And so he he the way that he executes it on this is like at the fucking highest level, mm. and a lot of, and 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 some of that feels like it's taken from because it was also really clear that he listened to a lot of the meters, um, you know New Orleans jazz and funk, and so that is kind of one of the first really like really great examples of like funky linear drumming. And then he just kind of takes it into the stratosphere and with like complexity mm-hmm. and whatnot on here and, and whatnot. So, um, cool. But yeah, but then again, maybe these are just things that was easy, really easy for drum magazines and drum teachers to talk about. So maybe that's maybe just people talked to, maybe just drummers have been talking about Steve Gadd because he's, because he, you know. <laughs> he didn't really impact the culture that much. Maybe just drummers are like, see, you need to practice so you can be like <laughs> Steve Gadd and play with Paul Simon. Learn your paradiddle diddles, you know? Is it really called a paradiddle diddle? Yeah, paradiddle diddle. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, left, right, right, left, left. Yeah, the cow jumped over the moon. Excuse me? Paradiddle diddle. Oh, really? <laughs> I never knew that. Like paradiddle is such a that means such a specific thing yeah, to yeah. me. No, that's hey diddle diddle. Yeah, it's not paradiddle diddle. Right. Oh, okay. 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 God <laughs> yep. damn it. Ah, yeah. You you tricked me. I was, was like paradiddle diddle. The cow. The cat in the fiddle. The cow. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So um. So yeah. Anyway, I think that's it. Yeah. I just Steve gets a big fucking deal, man. Um. Understood. And, yeah. Like. Clearly, 
some of the lore, right? Because have you heard the Steely Dan record, Asia? I, I've heard some of it, I'm thinking. Okay, yeah. so there's the track Asia where Steve Gadd just does these um, this crazy drum solos. Like, listen to it on your way home. You know, it's... And so, like, the lore is um, that I've heard people say probably total bullshit, but, you know... Uh, Fun to believe. This is... Yeah, that's why I'm calling it lore. Yeah. Um, is... One, this is really cool. Like the idea that like Steve goes into the studio and that he doesn't like even like pick up his sticks and shit. He's like, oh, we'll play the track. <laughs> you know? And he just listens to it. Uh huh. Right? You know? Doesn't even think about, you know, just, just listens to it. Right? But then the idea is that the, the, the lore is that Asia is like one take and they did a shit ton of cocaine before he did it. <laughs> So <laughs> apocryphal, but interesting if true. <laughs> and then you're like, you know, I remember, I remember like my drum teacher telling me that, and I'm like, whatever. And then, but now I'm like, man, <clears throat> forty five records in one year. <laughs> he was doing some coke somewhere in there. <laughs> Somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah. At some make point. that time up somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So damn, um, man. And like, and that's the thing too is it's like because you hear like a record like this, it's like, oh, they. He had to know what he was doing was just fucking amazing, right? And it's like, nah, man, this is just what he was doing that week. Right. And yeah. that makes it – like – and th there's oh. some things on here that are still sort of like top shelf. Like if you're like, what are what are the 10 – Steve Gaz, 10 best performances or mm. 10 most important drum beats or whatever or 10 best solos or whatever. Some of them on here. You're going to talk about the solo in Night Sprite and you're going to talk about the beat in Lenore. Like people are going to be talking about that, you know. People are still talking about that shit, right? That and like the idea that like Steve was, oh, what, what, what's what, what are we recording this week? Uh, yeah, was, you know, stop off that week on his grand world tour, right? Yeah, through just studios across fuck. the nation. Uh huh. Fuck. So it's fucking fucking wild, man. Uh, anyway, I'm really glad that you dug this because I was I was. I was ready for you to be like, <laughs> I mean, it does what it does well, but you know, <laughs> it does do that, but it does, it does like, so there's <sighs> like the stuff that we talked about, like that this does so incredibly, uh, that, that makes it so unique, uh, is what makes it m much more easy to latch onto because I, I enjoy all of the, like the jazz fusionism that's happening here. Mm -hmm. It's all obviously cool, but it makes it so much more palatable to be in such an interesting context with right. everything else. Right, right. And right. I think for me that helps a lot. In a in a way, this is kind of the record that we used to talk shit on jazz for wanting. Like we're like, well what if you just took all that cool shit you can play and just made a cool song? <laughs> like that was the stuff that we would say you know, uh, back in, yeah. you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Kind um, of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just take that language and make a fucking song, assholes. Um, but here's like, take those cool parts and put them in the context of a cool like album. Right. And that works really well. Right. And, and they, they, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really glad that you, this resonated with you and, so and make it all fucked up and weird there was one more note that i had oh yeah uh 
Soft and Gentle is like a Disney princess song with sweet jazz breaks sprinkled here and there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, I'm going to have really to read cool. these liner notes. There's like a fucking essay in yeah, here. Yeah, I was noticing that. Yeah, man. I, I guess as uh, as advertised on the back or whatever, it says, a, and now with a note from Chick. Oh, and now. <laughs> oh, a, yeah, A yeah, note, yeah. and here's like a a 10 pages of... <laughs> Man. Of, of philosophy or whatever the fuck is going on in there. Yeah, so uh, apparently at one point, um, I think it was by by this point, but Chick Corea got deep into Scientology, so. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, be on the lookout for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I was going to look and see if there's like some <laughs> lyrics about L. Ron or something. Right. Is the leprechaun actually Xenu? Yeah, 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 here? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, anyway, love this record. Yeah, cool, cool record, good recommendation. So glad they came back around. Yeah. Love you, chick. R.I.P. Mm. All right. So then. Oh, man. Like we do. Like we sometimes do. <laughs> um, do you want one of these beers? Uh, yeah, sure. Whichever one you don't want is fine. So <laughs> this sort of started when we did the goth cast where we. It's like, yeah, let's pick some random records. And I picked Typo, and then you picked Grey Babies, and then you mm-hmm. thought of the idea that, oh, well, let's pick a third record that we're both already familiar with. That sort of thematically links mm-hmm. these two, and we uh, we picked uh, Lady's Grey. And so <laughs> it really made me happy. I was driving back from a fucking big band rehearsal when you texted me, like, hey, why don't we do I? And I was like, <laughs> you know... I did have this thought. Right, right. I really did. I really had almost suggested it, and I don't know why I didn't follow through. I, I believe you because I've had, I've wanted to like somehow wedge this in here in a lot of other discussions. Yep, yep. So, so, Mashuga, so. I, uh, yeah, two thousand and four, after nothing, after nothing, yes, before Catch Thirty Three, yes. So to get our. Get our timeline. I think for the longest time I thought this was I might have got this confused. Like maybe flipped it in nothing or something. Like just timeline wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Where do you want to start with this one? Rigobert? Oh man. I think this is the one I want. Okay. Uh well I guess we could just say what it is. It's a twenty one and change minute track. Or twenty one even, actually. Twenty one oh four or something like that. Uh, single track by Meshuggah, which, mm-hmm. you know, they're known for doing long, you know, complex, intense. Do you know how to use this bottle opener? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know how to use and bottle opener. <laughs> it looks like probably right there it goes in. You just oh. got to get it on the teeth. There we go. Yeah, All there right. we go. Hey. See that? Science. See that? Men can't ask for directions. <laughs> told you how to get there uh, uh yeah so so Mashuga known for doing like complex difficult intense uh not necessarily approachable uh long songs uh and here's one that's 21 minutes right well up to this point they hadn't really done too much that was like long because I think of like Chaos Fear. Chaos Fear is pretty focused. Like nothing was kind of that, though, wasn't but it? But there weren't like, nothing's like, there's like lots of groovy stuff on nothing, but it's not long. There aren't like a bunch of like long epic songs on there, I don't think. 
I guess not. Let me let me double let me double check. Um, but this um, God, we're t- we're we're actually to start with this. Stinga. <laughs> um, um, I mean it's mashuga. It's 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 Swedish gent. You know, like. What kind of music is this? <laughs> so, okay, so it's it's Meshuga. Yeah, and and like I, you, that's so that's funny because it's like you don't really Meshuga isn't really gent. Yeah, especially uh, not at this point in their career. Right, gent is. I hesitate to even say that, but like gent is the genre that and that is D J E N T. Yeah, is that that Meshuga inspired, but it is not right. necessarily the genre that they play. Um, yeah, uh, just, just loosely sort of related somehow. And so fascinating things. So apparently the way this record was recorded was like Thomas and Frederick were just in the studio and Thomas just did like a bunch of basically improvisation and variations on like a certain theme. Yeah. And be like, okay, that's great. And then when it came time to, to like track it, like Frederick, Frederick had to like map all this shit out. Have yeah. you seen like the picture that he like shared I, on his Instagram? No, I saw that it existed, but I did not see the picture. Okay, yeah, it's it it's uh, it's as stupid as you'd imagine. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, for for like a technical, uh, it's not death metal. It's just technical metal, I guess is the way to say it. Whatever. It's Meshuggah. It's Meshuggah. For for like a a, a twenty one minute technical metal song that varies in in velocity throughout and intensity. Uh, you can imagine what a mapping of that would look like, I guess. Right. It's right. dumb. Um, so yeah, they basically like took just pieces of things that sounded cool and, and Frankenstein them into the song. Right. Right, 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 right. And so, um, and the lyrics are, are all written by Martin Hagstrom, the oh, okay. guitarist, which I don't think he writes their lyrics typically. I guess not. But he wrote all these. But I think I think. But these sure sound like Meshuggah lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of rotates because I know Maybe. I know Thomas writes a lot, a lot of them. Um, and Jens, I mean, that's the thing. Jens plays guitar also, so he he writes more guitar shit than I think that a lot of people realize. Right. I didn't realize that he was the rhythm guitarist before Hagstrom joined, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty wild. And so, to me. So I I think l- l- looking back at looking listening back to it, I uh, I yes, go on. <laughs> I don't know what's more appropriate to say that this is my favorite Meshuggah record or my favorite <laughs> Meshuggah song. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Like when this came out, I was like. This is when I knew what this was before it even came out. I was like, "This is what I want. This is everything I've always wanted yeah. from Meshuga." And sure enough, it was amazing. But I, the, it until going back and like really listening to each part of it, like like I did for this, I never fully like comprehended it. I just sort of accepted it for what it was and loved it. <laughs> I this was the first new Meshuga record. It's imp- it's impossible. I think to to talk about this without sort of talking about like that we were in a band together <laughs> um that was 
that at a certain point there's a there's a change there's a pivot where we became Moshuga influenced right yeah and i think this was the first new Moshuga record mm-hmm. that had come out after we had made that conscious decision to start incorporating those elements right because we we decided to do that in those elements start to be incorporated in um like 2004 like spring summer 2004 Mm -hmm. is no 2003 um that's when we recorded 8125 okay so yeah um okay yeah yeah, spring, spring and summer, because of the song "Humans." That's when we. Yeah. That's when that was our baby version, of yeah. of incorporating these kind of. We were trying to figure out how to make that happen. Right, right, yeah. and. So I think this was the first like new Meshuggah record that had come out after we had sort of like, these are the guys, right? <laughs> right. Like, like th- this isn't just some band that makes some cool shit like the this this is the north star and yeah you know because i mean like nothing had already come out but i think that was it it didn't really hit us no it was a it was a departure in a lot of ways from what they had done right because for me chaos fear was where it was at and so nothing i you can there's there's a big line there's like you can can determine a lot by a person by if you make a make they make them choose between those three sugar records um uh nothing chaos fear and obzen mm. like what was your what was your first exposure to mashuga right. or what's your favorite mashuga you know like you're gonna learn a lot man obzen's really good it's great <laughs> it's really it's good. great it's up there for me um it might be my second favorite after this, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Chaos Fear is, uh, is going to always be real special to me. Chaos Fear is also really good. Chaos is so good. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so it's like this record... I feel like there's a lot of like direct like influences that oh, on us that you could that like you can just point to on here and yeah, go like, like oh we tried to we tried to make that feeling happen <laughs> um but uh but and and I'll, I'll point those out but i don't know so does this record hit you more as because this is kind of a bookend right and i can't decide if this is it's I, a bookend a bookend i feel like this is almost the end like almost you could see this you could almost look at this as like the end of an era of Mashuga. and it's because mm. if you listen to their earliest stuff the stuff before chaos fear you know like contradictions collapse and all sorts of stuff yeah there's still there's a lot of like metal in there still yeah um and this almost feels like them purging the last of their traditional metal influences they're like, get it out of here. We're done with it. Just do all that we have left of this traditional metal. We're going to do it in our way, and now we're done with it. And then it's almost like then they just start over. They just hard factory reset on Catch 33. And it's like, we're not even going to fucking play real drums on this motherfucker. Right. All programmed drums. 
um yeah i don't know it yeah maybe so maybe so uh it, it definitely feels like a a uh reaction to what they did with nothing mm, yeah. Uh, in, yeah in some sort of way sure. um it was funny i was looking at information about this today um and one of the first just like google results was a oh god i can't remember the site anymore it was some like user not user review but like a review on metal metal almanac metal oh metallum the metal archives yeah that thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i read that review <laughs> and that dude fucking hated nothing and he was like this is a this is the this is the mashuga that i want um and I just I just found that really funny. I uh, so one of my notes here because I, I was making a few notes while I was out on a run. So they're, they're very brief. I was like, looked at Metallum, you know. Um, I was like, idiots. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, there's because like like they talk about like random snares. Like it's not random. It's three. <laughs> it's three sixteenths against four sixteenths. You fucking idiot. <laughs> it's not random. Uh yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, the, 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 there was there was some sort of a uh, a reaction against what they did with nothing that was just not well received, I guess, in some areas apparently. Uh, and I, it, there's the, the people that like the people I know that are a few years younger than us, they fucking love that record. It seems like it was influential in, in a different way. Yeah. Uh, to to what their other stuff had been. Yeah, it was absolutely so, huge influence yeah. on, on people just a little bit younger than us. And I think that there was something that was – I think that nothing was a little more, for whatever reason, a little more um, what discernible, attainable, whatever, graspable. graspable. Yeah. Um, like whatever word, um, that was more digestible to them than chaos fear was to us. Yeah, I can see that. Chaos fear was still speaking sort of the language that we understood. But it was still real difficult for yes. us to try and figure out. Exactly. Like we figured out the outro of <laughs> New Millennium <laughs> Sinai Christ. Right, right, right. Um, Whereas, yeah, nothing, it was, uh, it was doing similar things just in, in a different way. Right, 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 right. It was still technical, but just in different aspects. That's slower. It's groovier. Much slower, much groovier. You know what yeah. I mean? And this is just fast and just double bass onslaught. This Dude, is... the fucking intro, the first minute and a half of this is just <laughs> so stupidly intense and strong. Mm-hmm. But so the I, I, I listened to this and sort of made notes in sections. Yeah, um, sure. And I was delighted to find that this is there are, there are movements to this. They're very clear, very clear, delineated movements to this, yes. to this whole track, um, to the point where I was like, I, I made notes by, section by section, and then at some point I'm just like, uh, "This is Mashuga's Shine On, You Crazy Diamond," and that's, <laughs> and that's that's totally what this is, and I love it because there are oh, motifs that come back oh, later on, and they're revisited in but different ways. But who are they missing? Who are they missing? Yeah, uh, oh. this this hellish black hole that they're talking about. I guess <laughs> this this machine cog monstrosity that this album is about. I guess. As far as like, man, brief... this is the most sugar ass lyrics. I love it so much. Yeah. 
It's fractal illusion, burning away all structure toward the obscene. Yeah, man. To chaos, to chaos, to chaos. Uh, um, but so the, the the metaphor I came up with for like the intro into what comes after the intro, yeah, is like you're in a sort of you're in like a race car, you're in like a stock car or something. You just fucking you, you just floor it right off the bat and just you're just, you're uh-huh. just going. And then after a minute and a half, you fucking just like downshift. Uh-huh. Like you, you skip like three gears and just goes boom. <laughs> and it's just blast beat. And it somehow gets 10 times more intense. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought that was some cool shit? Fuck you. Wait, yeah. Here, here it comes. Here it is. And then the vocals come in and the actual verse comes in and it just knocks you on your ass. Oh, dude, so great. It's, it's so intense. Yeah. The, um, like the the levels of intensity that it goes through for so long. It's like 10, not, not 10, like five minutes. Oh, yeah. Of just pure intensity. Yeah, those first three movements or whatever. God damn. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I, uh, yeah, after those after those couple sections, I I think I've said before, like, people describe certain genres of metal as, like, brutal, or this metal has brutality to it. And I'm always like, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is fucking what's brutal to me. <laughs> is this, this shit right here. Because um, it's so energetic. Yeah, man. I... Yeah, I think this is... This is my favorite. Because <laughs> it... It does... Because the tempo, it's fast. Um, you have like blast beats, you have like the thrash beats, you have those syncopated, you know, you know, you know, you know, like all that shit, man. And that's like my favorite. Like I wanted them to go more that direction. Yeah. I also love the production on it. Um, because it's just right there in the middle. Like these are real fucking drums. This is, but it is still, Meshuggah is still precise as fuck it's still super clear but it's still raw it's still it's not like how obzen is like monolithic in its clarity right 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 um and so so yeah that is is something that is you know huge to me and there's also this like drone quality to it Mm -hmm. that I think also makes it that it's what makes it really, really work for me. Because if they were to just move, if they were to just like do each one of these riffs, like the like the link that you do riffs in like a suffocation song. Okay, I love suffocation. Suffocation fan numero uno over here. Um, but. You know, like you could condense this down to like a five minute song if you just did like each section for like eight measures or something or whatever, right? You know what I mean? Right. But it would lose this hypnotic quality to it. Bingo. And I think that that, that is something that like I shouldn't find a 21 minute track this engaging and enjoyable <laughs> to listen to especially if it's this fucking intense and this brutal dude i got i got uh, what point is it so I, I i made notes up to the 12 minute mark <laughs> at various points but then my next note is just this is exhausting but amazing 
Yeah, and that's exactly what this is. You got you like, got up you got up to the the whenever everything drops out. You just hit the, yeah one of the times that everything drops out because that's the thing. Like you're it it is it has this droning hypnotic quality, mm-hmm. and it's twenty one minutes because they they spend a minute and a half. On, on some of these things, and they you hear the the repetitions, and it comes back around multiple times. Right, but that's the whole point of it, and it's done so well. Um, and there, and it's just that over and over. You know, it's so intense the whole time. Yeah, man, I I fucking love it. Um, yeah, the yeah, I, I I already said that. Um. But yeah, like so these these three over four snares, right? So it's like right. And so like especially like around the seven-ish minute mark, um it sounds like the snare sounds higher pitched than it did yeah. previously. And so it just really gives you this I mean, I have like I have this because of just how like jaunty and disjointed feels. I just have like this image of like almost like Chris Finn from like Slipknot, like just like like Slipknot's playing a song over here, and then he's just like in the corner of the stage. <laughs> yes, <just> yes. <laughs> but somehow it's like in time and it works. Right, like, right, 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 right. I like, know, yeah. Like I'm just gonna go as fast as I can with this baseball bat, and that's gonna be whatever tuplet like lines up with whatever tempo they happen to be doing. You yes. know, is it, like the image that 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 comes to my mind. Totally. You know? Like like what is it like in in here? Like. And then when everything else drops out and it's just a snare. (laughs) God damn. It's so good. Oh, Uh, boy. But yeah, this is definitely all of my favorite Meshuggah elements. Like, distilled to their maximum effectiveness. Yes. For me. And, and like, the droney quality, the repetition of it, it makes it to where I'm not, like, as confused by the song structure. Right? Because, like... Like, you get a chance to to experience it enough times to... Be able to internalize it, sort of. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, because that is the thing that makes uh, made Obzen a little like unapproachable to me mm-hmm. at times is because the arrangements are are also complex. Whereas Chaos Sphere, the parts are complex, but the arrangements are very simple. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, this is, <laughs> you know, neither neither or, um, but 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 it is it is. It is sitting on each section long enough to where it kind of like washes over you in the way, and yeah, you, you know, like you get you get it whether you want to or not. Um, whereas, you know, an Obzen or, or you know, like a more traditional metal song, like the gears are sort of constantly shifting yes. and whatnot, and these are just like every once in a while you just have a hard shift. <laughs> yes, and and so. But yeah, like I don't know how I don't I don't know how to to go over any of these notes really because they all are like I I would just have to play the part and say this is what's hap- this is what I feel like about this part and it's just that forever like yeah you fucking, can fucking yeah just read, read yeah there you go just read them that's um 
about Just that? Just so stupidly strong of an intro. Yeah, it's like a muscle car, blah, blah, blah. This is what brutal means to me. <laughs> Uh, it's just so energetic for so long. <laughs> it's undeniable. <laughs> the verse proper, right? Uh-huh. Um, it's where, like, Jim comes in, finally. The push-pull of the beat alongside the staggered riffs is peak Meshuggah distilled. Yeah. Oh, man, this is great. <laughs> Hitting the e-brake and doing reverse corkscrewing donuts. <laughs> 333. That's what I'm saying. I want to like play that part so you know what I'm talking about. Because that's where shit just goes completely backwards and yeah, fucked up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck it, man. This is my podcast. <laughs> Do whatever I want. So after this. Yeah, 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 just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. It goes completely backwards and ugh. Upside well, down. It's, see, like, and... there's, like, a, there's, like, a section, like, that kind of section, like, where you like, on nothing, they just wouldn't do the double kicks there. Right. And so it's, like, that's why this is my fave. Um, <laughs> let's see. Blast beat, insane solo, breakdown on Ben Strings, maybe the best they've done. Uh, it's just so many <laughs> notes. <laughs> This is where everything is just going off constantly. Right. Tremolo everything. Yes. Never notice the cool step tremolo guitar in the background. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, dude, this like is Hearing great. new shit, yeah. This is great. Oh, wow. I can't even tell. Okay. That's great. Yeah, and, there's a whole thing going and, on back there. Yeah, yeah. I... Yo, chill though. Because <laughs> what are we at now? Seven oh seven. Seven solid minutes of that shit. Just the uh-huh. most intense metal. And gotcha, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just reading your notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This reminds me of something, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, From chaos to chaos to chaos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I love that. Fucking Scott Ian Stomp. What are you calling the Stomp of Ian? Uh-huh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, this is exhausting and amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, yep. uh, so sick. Da, 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 da. From earlier returns, but has a strobe light and is kaleidoscopic <laughs> and is slowly drifting towards you. The car has passed you and is slowly spiraling away into the darkness. Yeah, these are great. Um, oh man, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, so to me, where I can draw like some direct through lines to all severed influences is like the intro to outside, like because even that you know there is a rhythm to that similar at some point in the song. I don't know where I didn't I didn't write the timestamp, but this but there is something similar there. But more importantly, the effect that happens in the intro when the intro stops. And it goes into the blast beat. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the intro for the All Star Song Outside is like doing our version of that same effect, pretty much. You know? Yeah. And there's also an uh, uh, an intro for a song, like a section of a song that we wrote that we didn't finish. 
I don't know if you remember this or not. Absolutely 10,000% inspired by this intro. <laughs> uh, do you remember this? You know what I'm talking about? It was the one we called just Untitled? That we no. never had a title for? No, I don't remember what it was called. But it was a section, and the whole point of the section was it was alternating between, um, like, quads and and gallops, right? So it was like this, you know, like... Like that, mm -hmm. and like we spent like I don't know, man, fucking weeks working out like this, like fucking forty-eight measure long, like exactly yeah. where, which one, how long to do each one. Da -da 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, I do um, remember that. We never got around to finishing it, um, but that's absolute. There's just no way that we are like inspired to go off of the weeds without this fucking intro. That's exactly what this is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so oh, man, I also think that, so this, what do you think about this? Right. Cause this is a thought that I had that came up when we were talking with Harrison about, um, great Southern trend kill and like what, how, how much I think that that record didn't just become a template because I, I went out and I bought Great Southern Tranquil 96 the day that it came out. Mm -hmm. And I think that that didn't just become my template for what a new Pantera record should sound like. I think that became my template for what a new record by anyone should sound like. <laughs> And so it, it had to be this like artistic progression forward, big middle finger to your previous catalog in some way, shape, or form. Uh -huh. And then there, there had to be this, you know what I mean? Um, and I almost feel like this record was another one of those in that same vibe where it's a, it's sort of a boundary defining record. And so for us, <laughs> The boundaries were like, you know, uh, go as far out as you want to, or rather you must go <laughs> as far out as fucking possible right. or what you're doing isn't even art. Yeah. There, I, there was some aspect of that. I'm, I'm positive because like for me, I think it stemmed from the sheer audacity of like what this yes. is. You know? Oh dude, what a great word. Fucking right? audacity. Because, like, m they had, what, like, four or five albums before this. And they were all, like, boundary pushing in an insane in some way right. or another. Mm -hmm. But to do to go and do this, like, what have you done? Like, <laughs> how, how could you have done this? Uh, right. To just say, no, fuck you. Here's a 21-minute song. That we recorded this, that we wrote and recorded this fucking weird-ass way. Right. And it's still Meshuggah's music. Right. The whole time. And, like, that's that's just, like, cramming as much as you possibly can in the smallest possible package, which the smallest possible package ends up being 21 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, seriously, like, the audacity to do that. And then just say, here you go. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was, like, mind-boggling at the time. I, I really do feel like there that is a big reason why they are as legendary as they are is because 
right whenever their popularity wave started to, to started to really take off in Crest was whenever they were finishing nothing. Mm-hmm. And and I think like they had to like rush finishing it so they could get on Ozfest yeah, or something. I didn't realize that they they only had like a day and a half to uh like to, mix it to or mix it mastered. I think both, and so that's why they had to come back later and do the remastered uh, right. re- re-release, uh-huh. the the blue cover versus the orange cover, right. Uh, right? And they also re-recorded the guitars, right? Uh, With their eight-string guitars because they because they weren't because they were fucking custom built because no one made eight-string <laughs> guitars at that time, and they weren't <gasps> ready. So oh, when they recorded when they recorded nothing, the eight strings weren't ready for them. So they did it with seven strings, I think, tuned down. Right. And then they came back later and recorded it as they initially wanted to, which is so insane <laughs> to think about at this point in time. All right, and then you and then you think about that. So uh, that's around the time that everyone starts to like really be hip to Mashuga. Like everyone yeah. is starts to like really like oh dude fucking you know what I mean yeah like I went and saw him in two thousand five up at Ridgely Theater up in Fort Worth place was fucking packed all right um and so but in that time period like two thousand you know in between nothing and Obzin what do they do I ah, they do this. And then Catch 33, which is like another single fucking song. It's just 50 minutes or 55 <laughs> minutes and no real fucking drums. <laughs> you know, like, so whenever the world, like the world's eyes are on them, they're like, well, <clears throat> time to get weird. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think that's one of the, one of the main reasons why they're, they're just the fucking, they're, 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 there's no other, I don't. They're indescribable. <clears throat> yeah. Immutable. Oh. <laughs> um. But, and, and it's not, they didn't even like, they didn't even 180 on what they have done up till now. They just like distilled it and did it in this other way. Right, 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 right. Right, like they, um, uh, I don't know. I had something I was going to say there, but anyway. Yeah, they, they didn't like do it. They didn't switch genres yeah 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 it wasn't like hey here's the here's the, the mashuga you know the, they're record. still doing mashuga music right just in a different way than they've done it before right yeah like uh, and and it's so it's so fascinating that you know and so then it was almost like because i remember like i remember going to get obzen i remember buying it the day that it came out and having like bleed as my ringtone on my shitty little flip phone god um and whatnot and but i guess like what am i trying to say like the hype that they had I I guess like by the time that obzen came out it came out like that hype that moment had sort of already passed like where oh dude this you know and then they just like well we'll we'll just make an album that's so good that we that everyone pays attention to us again and now you know what I mean like it it so like all the attention they get for Obzen is just off of the merit of that record you know what I mean 
and and off of what what they what they did and whatnot. It because yeah. you know I don't I I don't know I don't feel like I'm connecting this very well. But there was like there was a moment where, where like they had like a moment with a lot of hype and a lot of eyes on them, and they really kind of couldn't have done any wrong. And that would have been the exact time where they it would have been advisable for them to put out Chaos Fear 2. Sure. Yeah. Depending on what they wanted to do, right? Like you know. depending on their goals. Yeah. And I, I know that there must have been someone at Nuclear Blast. It was like Chaos Fear 2, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they were like, well, how about nothing? <laughs> um, <laughs> How about the slowest, droniest fucking shit imaginable? Right, 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 right. And then they're like, you know what? It's good we work with this, but you have to record in two days. Uh, right. Because <laughs> you're going on Ozfest, baby. Right. Um, And so, and and, the, and then it's like, all right, so how about Chaos Sphere 2 now? And then they're like, I. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, we have this. And actually, we're not even going to release it on your label. <laughs> we're going to release it on Fractured Transmitter, the singer from Mushroom Heads fucking label. Right. Um, so deal with that. And they're like, you know what? Whatever, guys. Yeah, like they <laughs> got... Don't, don't ask them anything else. <laughs> yeah, you did this? Oh, okay. We're not going to... Yeah, because they got nuclear blasts, like, a blessing to do that. Mm -hmm. Weirdly enough. They, 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 uh, the Wikipedia just article describes it as like a one-off release right it's just like that's not a thing anyone ever does that's weird it's unheard of <laughs> but okay yeah it's not common maybe nuclear blast looked at this and was like we don't want to fucking oh someone that. else is gonna deal with that yeah sure <laughs> fantastic <laughs> wonderful and then uh, next and then and then so some yeah 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 and let, the chaos fear too right yeah 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 let the guy from mushroom head deal with this fucking oh it's an ep yeah bullshit whatever and then we're gonna get we're gonna get it's coming guys we're gonna get chaos fear too it's All in right, the works it's in the works catch 33 fuck you did it again but more <laughs> yeah oh man in the wrong way <laughs> so holy shit just I remember seeing them on the tour for Cast 33, and they're like, we're going to play three songs from this. <laughs> you know what I and mean? And that was the whole set. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they, like, play, like, a, you know, like, a movement of it, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. It was badass, you know. It was great. But, uh, but yeah, man, like, Jesus, what fucking, what big, big balls, what big Swedish <laughs> balls. Oh. And I, I, I just love that the, I love that the lyrics here are any other Meshuggah song, but like writ large and more epic. Mm, okay. Be because it, it's all this epic, like crazy mechanical horror fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. dystopian uh, nihilistic through line. Mm. But it's, it's this huge, like ep epic is the only way to say it. And it's all just kind of like nonsense and metaphor, but, right. but it's very like, image rich you know right 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 the thing that i love uh. too about some of their stuff like is you almost get the impression that this is just a fucked up poem that fucking martin wrote right and then they were like hey can we write a song around this <laughs> uh, yeah maybe. And, then, and then thomas and frederick was like yeah <laughs> give us a few weeks <laughs> you know 
And I like the, like the idea that maybe this existed first and this was the inspiration. Right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's gnarly to think about. I could right? see it. The inertia of my existence is clear. <laughs> Pre-mutations of slaughtered worlds. I alone will behold the dying sky, a servant of eternity. It, it almost feels like some shit that Justin and Josh wrote in it, that book. In a way, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when I read this, you know what I hear? I hear, like, I read books, motherfucker. Motherfucker, I read books. I like to read. I read books, motherfucker. Kind of, but that's just all their shit also. I know. Yeah, no matter yeah, yeah, who yeah. wrote it. Exactly. So uh, maybe they just all read books, I guess. <laughs> Those mother... You know. <laughs> Looks like we got ourselves a reader. Uh... Oh man, do they thanked Clawfinger? Good, 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 good on them. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, 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 fucking uh, incredible. Yeah, um, this this thing is like in indescribable in a way, but also undeniable and just. So <clears throat> that was my that was my summary. That was my my through line is that all yeah. of these records are slippery complicated groovy works of undeniable genius there's the through line there there it is so we made it yeah yeah agreed because it's all groovy it yeah that that that, you can't and that and that and again that's the thing that's like really special about mashuga and i didn't really get it until like the third time that i saw them live um because I, I saw him doing like a proper headline set in like 2017 or something okay. on the Violent Sleeper Reason tour. Um, and um, like seeing them in there, like present, like do the show the exact way that they want to do it, right? Um, and you really understand then, like, oh, okay, like with where where the show looks, how their music sounds, and they're dressed all in black, and you kind of can't see them that well, mm -hmm. um, and and then it's also it's like, oh, this is one of the most intense audience reactions I've ever seen from a show. <laughs> like this is this is like the most intense pit, and this is the, and then you think. You know, and that like, oh, yeah, you don't have to know these songs to lose yourself in a visceral manner in this music in a live format. And that is the that is the great masterful contradiction of their music is that they they made their music so cerebral. In a sense, they use that as a tool like to make we're going to we're going to make the most. We're gonna make the most visceral visceral music by making it incredibly cerebral, and they there's yeah. all this effort into into like making it just goddamn, just to where you studying it is like doing a math proof or whatever you know, but when you experience it live, you can just turn all that off right. and it's just fucking, you know what I mean, and yeah. And that is, uh, man, that's it's next level, man. No, no one else does it like that. Yeah, man, the fucking guts that those guys have <laughs> to fucking. <clears throat> hey, do you know if they've ever played this live? No one knows. <laughs> how even even I if they do. <laughs> oh, shit. 
That's like a clip from the Alive DVD, I think. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because oh, someone asked him that. Damn. You ever going to play I Live? And no Thomas, one knows. <laughs> and Thomas, I don't remember if it's Thomas or Martin. I think it's Thomas. He's like, no one knows how I go. <laughs> uh, you know what? You're right. That's all you needed to say. I found some random video of like a band trying to cover this song and then like working through it and yeah, like arguing back. No, 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 no. It goes. Duh, 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 duh. Oh my God. So do you know, uh, do you know what Rocksmith is? Mm-mm. So it's a game that was developed by uh, Ubisoft and it's basically guitar hero, but you can plug in a real guitar. Okay. And you can just use a guitar or a bass. Um, but it's not like the note chart isn't like coming towards you. It's like a side on sort of thing. Okay. Uh, it's really fucking cool. And it can actually help you learn guitar to some extent. Okay. Because you're just playing a real guitar. Um, they sell songs that you can download for like playing them uh, in the game. But there's also a mod scene okay. so that people can develop their own songs that Ubisoft didn't develop themselves and so you can i've got a ton of shit like tons of like baroness and mastodon and all this other shit okay but some motherfucker <laughs> took it upon themselves to do i and i downloaded that and got a few minutes in and i was just like my arm was just spaghetti and i was like i can't <laughs> no no way in hell so some somebody figured out how i goes oh that's to some extent i right. don't i can't i can't vouch for the accuracy necessarily but is 21 minutes long, so I don't know if anyone's ever survived. Somebody, right. somebody tried, though. It's a valiant effort. Right, because, yeah, because you know that, like, fucking, they didn't record that in one fucking... <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> like, one chart, like, the, like, like takes up the whole wall. Frederick's just, you know... Right. Because, yeah, if you ask them, they'd be like, fucking no. Are you stupid? <laughs> right. And, like, that, again, like, this is a, sort of, like, the last the last thing that I'll say about them, I guess, is that that is that is the thing that is just really clear about them looking, looking, you know, looking backward now. That, like, they were just so ahead of the curve on so many things, not just, like, the music that they wrote, but how they approached recording, how they approached live shows. Um mm-hmm. No, like, cause I, do you remember when we saw them in like 2008, like opening for Ministry or something? Yeah. <clears throat> like Verizon Theater. Yep. Yeah. And they sounded incredible. Yeah. They sounded so fucking good. Um, not of not a fucking amp on stage. Oh man, I don't remember that, but I believe it. It's in 2008. The only thing that that was. Because I remember reading an interview, an interview or some at the time. The only thing, only if you were on stage, the only thing you would have heard is the drums, and um, the vocals coming through the wedges in the front. Fuck. That's it. That's it. No fucking amps. So like, that was two thousand eight. All right. So they were that far ahead of all of the fucking amp modeling and all that shit. You know, the whole like using drum samples, the drum kit from hell. All right. that sort of stuff. The approach to recording, you know, I'm like, oh man, just chop that shit up. Fuck it. We have this song. I have this song that we have this this artistic thing that we want to express. I don't need to be able to play it. 
you know, <laughs> right. um, or writing, writing using software. Like, cause they like had written bleed and it took Thomas like three or four months or some shit to fucking learn it. <gasps> you know what I mean? Like some God. crazy shit like that. Like he had to like work up to it. You know, it took not months for him to work up to being able to play like some crazy shit like that. And on the special edition of this, by the way, this, is, which is not this, because this is the original. OG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are a bunch but, of live tracks. And it is so stupid how good those live tracks <laughs> are. It's criminal. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, like shit like that. And then like on Beyond the Reason Sleep, they're like, well, you know, it's getting a little too. So we like brought it back and we tracked that one live. <laughs> You know, it's just like they're just they're just what what's everyone else doing? They're they're way out there and we'll all be there in a few years, you know. We'll all be chasing their fucking tails, you know. So just they just they can just do whatever they feel is the thing to do and they can just do it. Do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so um I'm gonna plug so there's this dude. Have you seen any of his stuff? Um God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, hold on, I gotta, I gotta look this dude up. I hope I can find it. Um, yeah, Yogev, Yogev Gabe. Seen this dude? Doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Well, well, well. This guy. I don't think so. No. Okay, so he, so um. Yeah, Jogev Gabe. I, I might be messing up his name. Y O G E V G A B A. So he does these amazing breakdowns of all these different kinds of songs. A lot of Meshuggah songs, um, where he like really dissects the phrasing and the way he presents the videos is so. It's just so well done. It's just ridiculous how well this guy's material is, and but he breaks down all sorts of stuff. I think time-consuming is what he calls his show. Maybe? I don't know. But he's doing a thing this month called May Sugar, where he each week his video that he's releasing is Sugar related And I think at the end of the month, he's going to do a live stream where he breaks down I. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, okay. So, um... We'll tune in for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So check that dude's stuff out. You really can't go wrong. Click on any single one of his videos. So Awesome. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I think that's all I got. Yeah, that's that's about it, I think. Alright, good shit. Ratty waddies.